The wait is finally over. You Wish You Could podcast is B-A-C-K. But to take podcasting to that next level, to take each of you, every one of you, to that next level, well, quite frankly, that's where we come in. Because let's face it, podcasting needs You Wish You Could. All of you need You Wish You Could podcast. See, the podcasting universe has been searching the world for superstars. Superstars to expand the brand, to make it a global powerhouse. And we are proud to sit here in front of each and every one of you today and tell you that those superstars are none other than You Wish You Could. Because it's too bad that we're too good, you Long Island sweat hogs. Welcome to another episode of You Wish You Could Podcast. It's the god that runs the pod, Mike Canatella, along with Flying Brian. You really just went there? I totally did. Uh, God already. (laughs) I'm already sick of your shit. (laughs) Flying Brian and God and the fans favorite herself, Miss Perry Jericho. Yo! Yo! (laughs) Guys, how excited are you to be back? Oh, I'm stoked. So excited. You're excited. Feel these nipples. Sorry. I feel like I've been busting your balls for like the last like month about this. Like, I'm so excited about being back. So we do apologize. Uh, obviously, a couple of us work excruciatingly, jo- uh, excruciating jobs during this time of the year, and it was just impossible for us to find time to do this podcast that we love, but we are absolutely ecstatic to be back. We got a fantastic episode for you guys this week. Uh, we're going to talk about... Um, Everything from tonight, it's our top 10 wrestlers of all time episode. Each of us is going to give you our respective top 10. And uh, let's see if you guys can uh, see if you agree with us, if you disagree with us. We would love to hear from you on uh, Facebook, which is, of course, facebook.com forward slash you wish you could PC. And then our new Twitter handle, which is a little easier, is YWYC underscore PC. So that's essentially just abbreviated You Wish You Could podcast for the uh, stupid idiots out there. Stupid idiots. <laughs> You're on the list. And please You're take, the take the time to actually go on and, and give a shit about some of the... I, I love hearing what people have to say if they like hate us or love us. Um, and if they think our picks are stupid. And I, I want to hear from people and actually see what they think. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Roast the shit out of us if you guys want to. I'm, uh, oh, yeah. I'm all for that. Um, so before we get into wrestling, I want to really quickly thank Podbean for giving us the chance to do this show. Uh, Podbean allows anyone to create their own podcast for a fraction of uh, the cost of what other sites charge. Get everything you need to run your own podcast on Podbean. And also a big thanks to our friends at Downright Inc., uh, the content creators for your nerds next door. If you need help with filming, blogging, or hey, even trying your hand at podcasting world, my buddies over at Downright Inc. have uh, helped us out get this podcast off the ground. And they can do the same for you. These guys know what it takes to run a successful podcast and have some of the most comprehensive knowledge when it comes to web design and publishing out there. 
If you need help setting up your podcast or any other type of media, contact Downwriting today and get help from the best hands around. And there's definitely only one word to describe Downright Inc. And that's... Glorious! <laughs> You're an idiot. I am. All right, Brian, take but, us through... But seriously, make that a sound drop. Yeah, I'm going to make that a, a glorious sound drop. Brian, take us through Gorilla Position. Well, um, I think one of the bigger topics that we had was um, the sale, possible sale of TNA... With not only one thing that I've heard recently was Ring of Honor making a bid, but now apparently WWE has made a bid on them as well. Well, the funny thing is with that is I think Ring of Honor and WWE have a uh, like a good agreement with each other where I think they basically have a good business really. Oh, excuse me, business relationship. Sorry, um, where essentially it, if either of them bought the company, they would benefit both benefit from it. Yeah, so, that's interesting, Perry. <laughs> Um, I, I really hope that WWE doesn't get it. I hope that somebody else gets it, and I hope that they kind of ramp up the competition. I feel like we need a good competition, competition, not just with ourselves at the WWE, like I'm saying, with, like, we work there. We should work there. If you're listening, call me. Um, I do think that, uh, we need some serious competition, and TNA hasn't been doing it for us, obviously, you know, SmackDown and Raw competing against each other. So I hope somebody gets it, and I hope they rock it, and I hope it gives us something to fight for. I mean, to be honest with you right now, probably the best thing in wrestling is going on in TNA, um, but it's by complete accident altogether. But, I mean, then again, sometimes that is the best way of uh, of doing things. I mean, the broken Matt Hardy story is way, way too out there, but it is so good that you have to watch it. If you haven't, go check out anything from the Broken Matt Hardy, any of the uh, final deletion. Delete! 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 Treat. <laughs> if, anybody, if anybody hasn't seen that video yet with uh, Damien Sandow and Matt Hardy from over the weekend at the, oh, at so the uh, it is so indie good. show, It was a House of it. Hardcore show. Oh, that's right. House of Hardcore. Yeah. Um... Other news, Revival, uh, supposedly injured, uh, Dawson, uh, showing up to one of the uh, NXT live shows where uh, sporting one single crutch, so hopefully nothing too serious, but at the same time, that's not good, because they're my favorite tag team. <laughs> uh, Paige is still with WWE, Del Rio is not. Glorious! Um, <laughs> apparently there was a whole bunch of... Uh, Issues between those three parties, but Paige was able to settle them and uh, get her uh, shit together. So let's just hope she's, was she's smart. She's she, smart, very smart. You know what I mean? Like I, when I heard that she was walking away from it and asking for a release from her contract, I was like, "Oh, girl, stupidest thing you're ever gonna do. You're so young. You're in the biggest wrestling company in the world. This is like, this is where you want to be. Like, this is where people." strive to get to so for you to walk away because of some douchebag that you're you're dating uh wrong move maybe you, you i thought she was gonna follow him in his steps and start selling her shit on ebay mm. well to be honest with you that's the second dumbest thing she would have done the first dumbest thing she would have done is he getting the name alberto me. fucking tattooed under her left hip so but you know <laughs> that's just me <laughs> i wouldn't mind seeing it though it, yeah. it's all over the internet no, I want to see the tit, not just... Oh, oh, I got you. The yeah, not underneath. just the knee. I don't give a fuck about the name, but oh. you could feel free to show. Like, <laughs> does the tit hang over the name? You need to show us this. Like, this is true, yeah. You're like, how far below the name does the tit go? 
All right. Um, anything else for gorilla position before we move on? Um, Cody Rhodes joining uh, TNA. No, Cody Rhodes and and uh, and, and well, Aaron Rex. Cody Rhodes also working with Ring of Honor as well. Correct. He doesn't He's... have an exclusive uh, contract. Awesome. So if WWE acquires TNA, then they'll both be out of jobs again. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Well, that's pretty much the best way of putting that. Um, and then, of course, you know, we've been gone a long time. A lot has a lot has a gone lot. on in wrestling oh. and WWE since we've been the, uh, since we've been away. Uh, brand new champions um, on multiple levels. I mean, you've had Dean Ambrose was the champion for a while, glorious. and now AJ Styles is the champion, which glorious. is absolutely glorious. Um, Let's see. Uh, Kevin Owens is the champion. Glorious. Due to the fact that Finn Balor was injured. Not glorious. Not glorious, but to be honest with you. That um, he won, glorious. That he won was glorious. I am totally okay with him taking a sidestep for Kevin Owens right now. It is the perfect storyline. Yeah. Um, I think the way you say let's get the ball rolling, I'm going to be with glorious now. Just say. That's fine. I'm okay. okay with this. Okay, cool. I feel like the last time we were on, we were talking about Kevin Owens and that we felt like they were going to do bigger things with him. I did um, say that. And that was, you know, a little while ago, but I, for some reason, I didn't think it was going to be this quick. I don't but think it was meant they to probably, be this quick. You know, obviously, they probably had Finn Balor in mind, and then things happened, and they probably just threw him in there. But I think we had left off on our podcast about saying, we don't think Owens is going to win um, whatever match it was at that point, because we think they're going to have him for bigger and better things. Yeah, that was um, Zane Owens, I think, right before... Because we missed the SummerSlam episode. The 4th of July episode was our last episode. Yep. Okay. Um, any other last comments or uh, quips before we go on? Nope. All right. Oh, we're good. By the way, um, Harry had mentioned the idea before. We're going to definitely try it out on our first episode back um, with a trivia section of the show. And uh, because I have a whole bunch of notes, I'm actually going to quiz the two of you okay. and see who can get the most questions right. Actually, that was Brian's idea. My idea was kill, Mary fuck. Yes. Well, no, but I thought, oh, and then I just mentioned that we should just totally make it like 80s game show style. And then yeah, Brian totally. came up with the trivia thing. Yes. Totally. So all three of us came up with the idea. Pretty much. And Brian Sinn was like, except for the fact that it was my fucking idea. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> not, not really, but <laughs> Brian, we'll I go got with you, it. I got you. <laughs> Let's let it flow. All right. Um, all right. So let's get into Raw and SmackDown. So what I kind of did was I changed up the uh, – we've done a different – multiple different ways of presenting Raw and SmackDown to you guys. We really want to breeze through Raw and SmackDown um, as quickly as we can to just kind of get into the meat of our episodes. Go you ahead. just want to get to the meat of every yeah, dude. I knew that was coming. Um, so we're yeah, going to do usually strengths. because you're on the meat of every dude. <laughs> We're going to go through strengths and weaknesses of uh, each up, each show each week. Um, so I will throw the ball in Brian's corner, and we'll see what he has. Um, I was going to go with a note real quick. I missed SmackDown last night, and I forgot to oh. record it. I told you this, I thought. No, I thought Brian, I know Perry missed Raw. Awesome. We can like work off of each other, because I have, I have my thoughts on SmackDown, and you can have them on Raw, because my DVR did not tape Raw, because my wife has to tape 50 million fucking shows. <laughs> so, Thanks, it can- <laughs> so it canceled mine. So um, I made it top priority, though, in my DVR from now on, so it will not, not record. Um, awesome. So, Brian, if you want to take Raw, and I will take SmackDown after you. I will do that, up. yes. Um, Raw, I feel like 
you know, the first couple episodes were all right. Um, I think the best thing I had on Raw was the entire presentation and number one contenders match for the Cruiserweight division. Mm. I think that was the best part of Raw, Mick Foley, even though he can't say his lines correctly. Um, and forget some. <laughs> I'll give the man some leeway. He has had a lot of brain injuries, yeah. a lot of concussions, a little bit. So I'll give him some leeway. What did he screw up? Oh, it was just the the quote that the he... the quote, and he screwed up a couple times. Yeah, he's just get away from. But, he's uh, get away from a wrestling ring period. Yeah, but you know what? He got his piece out. I think the introduction was cool. Other than that, slip up a few times. Yeah. Um. You know, he brought everybody out. It was awesome. The match was really good. It was um, damn near phenomenal. So um, that was a, one of the better things I thought. The tag, Divas tag match I wasn't too crazy about. Um, I don't know where they're going with all the tag teams in the ring at the same time uh, for the tag division. Everybody was out there, and they did the five-on-five five tag. Like, that was, I think, pointless. Was unless much. Unless they were going to make it some sort of multi-team tag title match at Clash of Champions, which they didn't. So mm. that was just a way to get them all on the show. And all, all get them a, a promo segment. That was it. Although I did enjoy um, Owens versus Reigns as well. The cage. It, it wasn't bad. Um, it, it was very interesting for them to go the route of uh, a cage match for the main event, which I was. Uh, we're talking about Raw right now, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, very interesting for That's them. That's why we're talking about a cage match. There's yes. only a cage match. Where the Where the fuck you been? I, I don't know. <laughs> I've been sitting right here. Um. I mean, really quickly, my strengths on uh, Raw as a generalization, like not just this week, but just over the past couple weeks that we've even missed, the match qualities are actually really good. Um, you have solid contenders on Raw where you're getting really good quality matches, which we haven't before. Um, the women are top-notch wrestlers, and that's even making for a better overall show. And the cruiserweights are a much-needed boost uh, to the in-ring talent where we could have just gotten a filler match. You know what it seems to me like the biggest difference with Raw and SmackDown's become is Raw is the wrestling show, and you get solid wrestling, but I feel like the promo work isn't the greatest at times. I was and just about and to And then get to that. the opposite thing with SmackDown, like you have solid performers, and the matches are are good, mm-hmm. but the promo work is better. Oh, promo work is by far better. The weaknesses of Raw are their in-ring segments and their promos. They're awful. Like they're yeah. borderline non-watchable. The best thing on Raw is Jericho. Yes. And if they did not have Jericho, Absolutely. they would be bottom of the barrel. Like, And I hate saying They're it. They're not but, even on the list, man. Yeah. There's also too many they, injuries. And they don't have it. They don't have it. It. What is it? You know. It. 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 Three hours. See, I think you guys, I, I like partially agree with you, but I feel like. I, I don't know if it, it's not always, but this past week on SmackDown, I feel like the uh, the interviews and uh, the promos and stuff were really weak, and I feel like people were thinking too hard and they were pausing a lot. So, but I think that's just like a, a one week deal. And I don't, I feel, I feel like I feel some more satisfied coming out of SmackDown Live than I do with Raw. Yeah. And I, I mean, I missed this past Raw, but I've been, you know, catching up on the other ones. Um, I feel like the three-hour show leaves people with more time to become, like, disengaged, uh, which ultimately, for me, at least, affects my feelings on the show, is when I become, like, disengaged because it's so long, and there's a, you know, there are certain fillers, and granted, there are the the great things happening on it, and the cruiserweight division is going to be such a great 
addition to Raw because we need that little extra something on there because it's just three hours. I, I get bored. I wind up turning it off and watching it the next day and a whole mess of things. I feel more satisfied coming out of SmackDown and that might just be me, but no, I, uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. Three hours is way too long. Um, they are filling it with some good stuff, but at the end of the day, it's three hours. Um, so you know, it's too sitting, long. It, it is. I mean, if, even if they went back to nine from nine to 11, I feel like it gives you that hour to kind of like veg or prep for raw where SmackDown is eight to 10. It's a, you know, it's a different feel to it. It's a little earlier in the night. I like and, it. I go none night early. Oh <laughs> yeah. I know you go because you're old. I know. Um, and, I mean, there's too many injuries and part-time talent um, that's really ho- hurting the overall depth of Raw. The depth on Raw is really where it hurts them. They have great tag teams, but not a lot of them. Whereas SmackDown has solid tag teams and a handful of them. And, and same thing with the women's division. Raw has two or three great women wrestlers, and SmackDown has five to ten solid female wrestlers and it really helps them to put in different programs and segments and stuff like that at the end of the day. Um, I mean, that's just me. Uh, I think we really touched upon, Oh, and besides that, the best commentator on television right now is on SmackDown. Moro. Oh oh, yeah. Moro Ranallo is hands down the best thing going for wrestling commentary. 100%. You know what? I would not mind if, I know, even though Daniel Bryan is a GM, get Otunga off commentary and put Daniel Bryan oh. there with JBL. Oh. Him and Morrow and JBL and, and Bryan. Mm-hmm. I think that would be oh. one of the greatest teams ever. Daniel Bryan has the most annoying voice ever. <laughs> but him and Morrow were amazing together on... On the, the Cruiserweight CW. Classic. Yeah. They were, they, yeah, it was good. I just can't stand his fucking voice. <laughs> I just can't. I like Daniel Bryan. Don't get me wrong, I like him. But, and I, you know, as a wrestler and all that, but his, like, he's got that, like, nasally thing going on. It's like, he always sounds stuffy, like he has a fucking cold. Yeah. And it, like, to listen to that for, for two hours, it, you know, it would be torturous for me. All right. Um, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with what we got for both of on SmackDown this week. What do you about yeah. you guys? Wait, we didn't even go through SmackDown. What the fuck are you talking about? We, well, right. we kind of really didn't know, yeah. No, okay. we did not even touch SmackDown. <laughs> okay, that was the only one she watched, so we we got to <laughs> gotta like, do it. All right, yeah, go, go fucking through this. All right, Perry, go ahead. Okay, let's go. I'll go through it fast. I'll make sure that I don't take up too much time because I know you want to move on. No, because uh, there's actually something that yeah. I didn't touch upon on SmackDown. On SmackDown or Raw? No, we there was something I didn't Raw. touch upon. There was something I didn't touch upon on SmackDown, but I'll let you say your piece and then I'll say what I wanted to say. That's because we didn't talk about SmackDown. We did. Go. Just say your fucking. Just talk. All right. All right. Cool. <laughs> all right. So, uh, first thing I had. Well, the the women's contract signing thing. Uh, I was kind of like, when people like fuck up or like they, for, you can tell that they like don't know what to say. I get like really embarrassed. Like I can feel myself <laughs> getting red. Yeah. Like for them, it's like watching like American Idol for like the auditions. It's terrible. Yeah. Um. So it was really bad. You know, Becky Lynch obviously saves it. She's very smooth on the mic. She's very smooth everywhere. I love what, Becky Lynch. Can we, b- before we move on from this, speaking about Becky Lynch and smooth, the fact that she was wearing those pants was the most amazing part of SmackDown. What, what pants was she wearing? Like tight black, like legging pants. It was like, 
Oh my god. You need to make sure your wife's not listening to it. She's this. not, but she okay. she thinks Becky is just as hot as I think she is. So She's she's gorgeous and she's really good on the mic and obviously really great in the ring. So happy that she's a champion. She's um, better in the ring than she is on the mic. I'm not going to discredit her mic skills, but they definitely have like levels to improve. Yeah, no, of course, but compared to the Harley Quinn wannabe. Yeah. Um, it, she was gold. So, oh, absolutely. You know, it was good. It ended in a little bit of rivalry. She came out, you know, she, she ran after her and whatever, and she did their, their thing. Uh, American Alpha, so good. I know that you're all about Revival, which they're amazing, but best tag team on this roster, hands down, is American Alpha. So um, here's my question for American Alpha, well, the, just the American Alpha part. It kind of looked like they were almost setting up like a split between them when... Um, uh, Justin, uh, Jason Jordan, um, refused to tag in Chad Gable because Chad Gable was in pain and it, it they didn't play on it after the fact. So, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of guessing they're just going to sweep it under the rug, but it was very like circa 1993, 1994, Bret Hart Owen. Yeah. That or like, uh, like rocker esque. I feel like. Exactly. Yeah. No, I got that feeling too, as I was watching it. And then as you said, I feel like they swept it under the rug. Yeah. Um, and I think it was more like. You know, I love my partner. I'm not going to do this to him. Exactly. I mean, Brian is literally shaking his head in the fact that like that he's would like, be a horrible thing to do. If they they don't up. split them up, it would be the worst thing ever. It On, would be. I would say that it would be worse than Enzo and Cass splitting up. It, uh, they're yeah. amazing together. I'm these afraid guys, they fall through I, the cracks on their own. Yeah. Both yeah. of them. No, Jason Jordan would be very fine. I honestly, honestly, think, I think it's the other way. I think Gable. I think it's the other way around. What? Gable is the next angle. No, no, no. Jordan is the next Jordan angle. Had He's no, a black angle. He's the black Kurt angle. Jordan had no charisma on his own, though. By himself, he did nothing. But I think he's gained it. He's. I feel like he's a really good wrestler, but he. I feel like he doesn't have too much to offer um, anywhere else. And I feel like uh, Gable is the more charismatic of the two, yeah. almost like the Shawn yeah. Michaels. I agree. But I'm just saying, you like just hear my words right now. Jason Jordan will be a bigger star than Chad Gable when, because it's not an if, when they split. He, I hope it's not for a very long time. No. I put this two ways, because I think it's the two best descriptions. Gable is like the Shawn Michaels of mm-hmm. the Rockers. Yeah. Jason Jordan is like the Shelton Benjamin of the world's greatest tag team. Correct. He's, the better, he's guys, the better athlete, yeah. and he does everything better in the ring. But Shelton Benjamin never had great mic skills. Neither just saying. Jason Jordan. I got you. I thought you were going to compare him to Marty Jannetty, and then we were going to get into a fight. Well, no, no that would have been not bad. That's why I didn't say Marty Jannetty. <laughs> yeah, that's why I didn't say it either. <laughs> that's just wrong. All right. Um, but I'm really invested in their rivalry with the Usos. I think it's you know I think they're all playing it very well. I love the Usos as heel. There we go. Um, We'll move on from there. The Kurt Hawkins vignette was embarrassing. <laughs> no, Plain and simple. I, love, I don't have anything else to say about that. I love the Kurt Hawkins vignettes. They're so perfect. And <sighs> if we can just roll back, the Usos being heel is the greatest decision that whoever decided it could have ever made. I love the Usos now. They can do no wrong currently except for cutting a promo five seconds after being in a match, which was just awkward. Yeah. yeah, that was that's what I was saying about like there being a lag and kind of like that pausing where they're they're going into it so fast that they don't even think about what they're saying and it's you're like you're waiting like on the edge of the seat like don't say something fucking stupid. Correct. Um, go ahead. Anything else for SmackDown? Nikki Bella called Naomi Trinity. Nikki, what? 
Nikki Bella, when she was with Naomi in the back, she oh, called her Trinity. Really? <laughs> she totally did. Ouch. Um, okay, real quick. And this is probably one of my, my most, uh, well, the thing I want to talk about most about SmackDown was Dolph Ziggler. And you know I'm a Zig fan. Obviously, we have this podcast that's probably, you know, it's named after him. Mm-hmm. Um, Dolph Ziggler, um, I love that he's rocking the St. Edward's Wrestling Crew hoodie. Um, I love that he's going back to his roots uh, and showing us what got him here to begin with, which is his raw wrestling talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like we've been seeing so much less of the show off Ziggler and more of Dolph Ziggler, the wrestler, uh, which is, you know, obviously why he's Kent state hall of fame and yeah. all that other good stuff. And as much as I love the show off and stealing the show and your girlfriend and all that fun stuff that we've always loved him for, uh, you guys know, I'm a huge wrestling fan. Wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. So having Ziggler going back to his wrestling background and us focusing on that now, I, I just fucking love it. I'm eating it up. I, I think it, right now I would easily say this is the best Dolph Ziggler we've ever seen. And without a doubt, this is the best Miz that we've ever seen in the ring, on the mic. The Miz is at the top of his game. And I agree, and you know I hate the Miz, and I, I agree. Correct. Yeah. And I know I'm just, you're probably going to say you're just saying that because you're a Miz fan. The Miz could easily go for a world title run right now, and I don't think anybody would be upset with it. Doesn't uh, have to get a title, doesn't have to get the title itself, but can be in contention for the title. And I think it would make sense, and nobody would be but, like, well, this doesn't make sense. Why is he going for the title? Yeah, against a face Ambrose or a face Cena, I can totally see that. Yeah. Um, and then the, see, go ahead. No, Cena and Ambrose. Cena beat clean one, two, three on the mat. What? Yeah. Yeah. Again. That's... What? Is this the end of John Cena? In my notes, really like dramatic, like <laughs> it says, is this the end for John Cena? Like it's a soap opera. <laughs> Find out next week. On... Are we, are we coming to the end of John Cena's career? I... Is he just putting these guys over just for the sake of getting these new guys over? Or are we seeing... <laughs> John Cena kind of like the like the downfall of him where he kind of gets out of the business. I think it's a little of everything. I think he's trying to give back to the fans and trying to give back to the company because um, he's at that stage of his career where he doesn't have to go over anymore um, and be relevant. And uh, I think it's at the point where people don't hate John Cena anymore, yeah. which is just odd. Like, uh, you know, I've, I've said it for a while, you know, just respect what he does in the ring. Like, it's great that he has such a polar um, opinion on on who he is. Like, you either hate him or you love him. Nobody says, oh, yeah, cool, it's John Cena. It's like, oh, man, I fucking love John Cena, or no, John Cena's a douche. Like, See, I think it's the opposite of what you're saying. I think Cena's very stagnant at this point. I feel like he's very, like, I feel like people aren't like, oh, my God, John Cena, like they used to be. And I feel like the Cena sucks people aren't really there either. Like, I feel like it's kind of like, Nobody really cares about John Cena anymore. Like, he comes out, he does his thing, he goes away, and nobody makes a big deal either way. Well, no, but at the same time, again, it, it's he's John Cena. Like, he's always going to have his fans, and he's always going to have his haters. And uh, at the end of the day, I, I don't think he cares, because either way, he's got uh, credibility and recognition. But um, anyways, the last thing I wanted to say about SmackDown is what we were talking about before, Brian and I, about how SmackDown just has some of the best in-ring promos and segments. The fact that they're so real, even to the point where you almost question kayfabe. Yeah, uh, it's like the whole Daniel Bryan and Miz thing, 
the the Cena Dean Ambrose yeah. promo was like, dude, they're fucking going at it, like yeah. throwing daggers at each other. So that it's been good. Yeah, that's all I got, man. That's all I got for SmackDown. Okay, uh, so really quickly, Battle of the Brands. Um, do you think this week we had a SmackDown or a Raw victory, Perry? I didn't see Raw, um, but going just by the weeks prior and what we just talked about today, I'm going to go with SmackDown again. Uh, Flying Brian. Same thing. I didn't see SmackDown, but based off what I saw from Raw and what I've heard from SmackDown, I think SmackDown won. Okay. I'm just essentially so it's unanimous. I mean, the funny thing is, Raw is the A show, uh, It, but SmackDown has been the top show going for weeks and weeks. Raw has some very, mem- very memorable moments since the draft, but overall SmackDown just continues to outshine it. Just and just literally edge it out week to week and make me want to watch SmackDown that much more. I feel like um, SmackDown is the crafty, wily veteran who can get it done week in, week out. Yeah. And Raw is the new, young, spot monkey guy. Yeah, that but, does nothing but spots, and you remember right. for the spots, but you don't remember in the matches. That's very correct. Um, all right, so we're going to do... All right, we're going to go into our Clash of Champion predictions. I will uh, read off the match. And uh, we'll see who each person thinks. And then uh, what I also want to start doing is actually taking note of who, kind of like a fantasy football kind of deal, like who got the most picks at the end of the week. Oh, okay. So uh, I think that'll be kind of fun. What do you think, Perry? That works for me. And I have a little bit of a side note on this because uh, as we were talking about kind of like the last time we were on, I'm really, I I was writing these matches down and I was trying to pick. Um, from each match and like why I think it would go a certain way and I'm really I'm having a hard time with it again like which is great because I I honestly don't know what's going to happen which is the best thing that happens in wrestling is when you genuinely just don't know what's going to happen because anything could happen at this point um so just so you know I'm just kind of going into this blind because some of them I just couldn't pick who I thought was going to win sorry I just like clocked myself in the fucking face because a fly landed on the microphone (laughs) Uh, but you're, I agree with idiot. you. I, I agree with you completely, and uh, it is always fun. And uh, the best sound drop in the wrestling history is anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. So we got the pre-show match: Alicia Fox and Nia Jax. I am personally going to say that Alicia Fox takes this. She's the veteran. Nia Jax has been on a hot streak, and I think it cools her down a little, just a little bit, though, just a little bit, and pisses her off. And you got a decent feud going with these two. Uh, I, I think go Perry. Go, go on, Brian. Okay. Um, I think Nia Jax squashes her. <laughs> yep. It, it's gonna be. I mean, Fox will get some offense in. It won't be like a jobber, but Nia Jax kills her. She's gonna destroy her. Okay, so two for Nia and uh, my stupid ass picks, Alicia Fox. <laughs> she's old. She's slow, and Nia Jax is gonna annihilate this bitch. Did yeah. you guys see that promo between the two of them? By the way, when like Alicia Fox threw the box. Yeah, actually, they hit her face. She's like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. Wait, yeah. say character. Yeah, exactly. That uh, was just awkward. All right, so Sami Zayn versus Chris Jericho. Uh, the stupid idiot match of the night. I'm going to go with Zayn. Wow. I, I love Jericho. I really do. But there would be really no reason for him to take one over Sami Zayn at this point, unless Kevin Owens somehow got involved. But he has his own shit to worry about true brian um i I think zane has the answer to it this week (laughs) and uh zane wins 
I'm wow. This is really odd. I'm gonna go Jericho. Um, it's because me and Brian are smarter than you. Uh, first of all, no, you're not. <laughs> Second, well, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, so we got Jericho for me, and I just I don't know. I don't think Jericho needs the win, but at the end of the day, it would make a, a big statement, and uh, somehow Jericho was gonna pull it off. I just have this sneaky suspicion. I think this will be the, this next match will be the first one where we all agree on. Hopefully. Um, unless Perry's a stupid idiot. What's that? Uh, Cesaro versus Sheamus. Sheamus. <laughs> you are a stupid idiot. <laughs> no, I think Sheamus is going to take the first one. I think the the best out of seven, I think Cesaro is going to take all of it. But No, this she... is the last match. Yeah. Oh, this is the last match. Yes. Yeah. Where the fuck have I been? I don't know. No, um, they fought on no, Raw. I think, I think. Oh, the, she didn't watch Raw. I think Sheamus might take it. The, the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing. thing. (laughs) I do. I don't know. I don't know why. I feel like Seamus is like their golden boy. You know what I mean? Like they kind of like mid card him and he hasn't been in like a main event spot in a while. But I feel like there's like that underlying love for Seamus. I I definitely love Seamus. I just I think Cesaro pulls out that. Oh, my God. He was down. Oh, and three and then comes back and takes the whole thing. Like it just makes more sense storyline wise. I and, and I would love especially to... with the title shot on the line. Yeah, I think Cesaro takes it. It's a United States title shot, correct? They didn't say. Uh, World I think they, t- they said did never. No, I don't think they did. I thought they alluded to on Raw uh, or one of the pe- uh, previous Raws that it was a Universal title. I'll have to look into that, but I'm pretty sure it means that they get a U.S. title shot. But I could I missed wrong. Raw, so I don't know any of this. Yeah. Well, even so, you have two heel champions. Unless they turn Sheamus' face, because Rusev and Owens are both staying heel. Cesaro, uh, to me, makes more sense. Or or they put the belt on Reigns and... We, well, that's what I'm we thinking. We get 515 again. they're going to put again. the belt on Reigns and give it to Sheamus. 515? 515. 515? Yeah, 515. I was like, what are you talking about? All right, so we got Mike's choice was Cesaro, Brian's was Cesaro, and Perry's stupid idiot choice was uh, Sheamus. Got it. Um... We got Perkins versus Kendrick for probably one of the most excited. Like, I'm actually extremely excited to see this match. I I think this match is going to be one of those matches where we're like, okay, this is what we've been waiting for from the Cruiserweight division. It might be the highlight of the night. I would say so. I'm uh, looking for it. I got Perkins on this one. Perkins? Brian? Perkins. I have Brian Kendrick. It was wow, very you're tough. a fucking idiot. It, honestly, I was torn on this one. I'm like, I have Perkins like 5149 right now. It's like, very it's tough. very tough. This I one. did the same thing. Like, I literally, I wouldn't be surprised if either of these guys won the match because obviously one of them is gonna win the match. But I, I, I think I mean it more of I'm not gonna be upset if either one wins the match. It's one of those types yeah. of deals. But I think it would solidify what Brian Kendrick has been doing, um, yeah. and just give him that heel title run. Possibly? Yeah, I mean, I I love I love Perkins, so I like I kind of want yeah. him to win, but I can see either one of them winning. winning. I've followed Perkins since he was in TNA. He mm-hmm. did some great things down there. Yes, one of one of the bright spots for them down there. Well, when it was there, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, this match overall is just going to be a fantastic match. It's going to be a slobber knocker, but uh, I don't yeah, know. I'm with you when you say I don't mind who wins this one. Genuinely, I don't. Mm. I think either way, I'll be happy. Um, I just. I think it would be silly to put it on somebody and then take it right off for for uh, an old timer. 
Oh, keep in mind also that it was supposed to be Kota Ibushi that was holding that title. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Uh, we got a couple more. We got uh, Reigns and Rusev for the uh, United States Championship. I got Reigns. Got Reigns. Brian. I'm still not sure what I'm. I'm gonna go with Reigns. I'm still not sure on this one either. I wasn't sure on it either, Brian. I just kind of picked just for the sake of picking because I want Rusev, but I think they might give it to Reigns. But I'm hoping that they give it to Rusev so that Kurt Angle can come back. <laughs> stop. Just stop. <laughs> me and Mike, the dream is alive. <laughs> <laughs> me and Mike were talking about this before we came on air. Um, I the, with the way Reigns and Stephanie have been acting with each other. I know you miss Raw, but. They were barking at each other on Raw again, and I feel like Triple H might get involved. If he doesn't get involved in that match, he's getting involved in the Universal title match. But I feel like Triple H is going to come out and screw Reigns over yet again. So Perry and Brian both pick Reigns. Who's Mike going to pick? Rusev. Because it makes no sense to take the fucking belt off of Rusev right now. He is hot as all hell. And to just give it to Roman Reigns out of nowhere makes no sense. Listen, I hope you're right. I really do. I love Rusev. I love Rusev so much more than I love Reigns, but I don't know. I just had a pick, and I just I picked Reigns, and I don't know. I hope I hope that you're right. So we were talking about okay. You're basically saying that you really hope that Rusev wins, but you're just thinking that knowing WWE, they might give it to Reigns. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, triple threat match for the women's championship. Perry? Flair. Flair. Rick? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Woo! 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 Can you imagine him just coming out dressed in drag just to win the fucking title? I can see that. <laughs> oh, I gotta tell you something real quick while, while we're talking about Flair. Good. I just I was just in California for a, a work conference, and uh, we, we're in this big stadium thing with, uh, you know, probably about 6,000 people. Yeah. And uh, I started a woo it just it was silent. I was like, woo and then and then you would hear just people throughout the stadium wooing. That's fantastic. It was, it was amazing. Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> Flair. All right, so Charlotte, Brian. Charlotte. Charlotte. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't think Bailey wins it yet. So here's what happens. Bailey wins the title. Sasha Banks becomes so pissed off that she didn't win and Bailey did win that it creates an amazing heel Sasha feud with face Bailey and then turns uh, Charlotte so that she can focus her attention towards a decent feud possibly with uh, Emma and or uh, what's her name? Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke. Uh, I think if anything goes the other way, Charlotte wins, Dana Brooke and Charlotte go into a feud and Sasha and Bailey conflict, uh, they screw, somehow screw each other over. That was weird. <laughs> Sasha and Bailey screw each other over. They cost each other the match. Sasha turns. Sasha and Bailey go again. And then you got Dana, Face, and Charlotte heel. Hmm. Interesting. Because that was something they were apparently looking to do. I don't know. I just don't think that Charlotte has... It. It. All right, so again, I, this is weird. Like, I don't think we've ever done this where essentially the two of you are picking the same guy and I'm picking a different person. Again, we're smart. Yeah, you're not, because when you guys are wrong... Hey, who who won the, uh, the the tag title uh, bet at SummerSlam? Tag title bet. Or not the Battleground or whatever? No, I won it. No, I thought it was Vasey that won that. No, I won it. Did you? Yeah, buddy. 
You said New Day holds the title. Yeah, oh, but he, he said it was. That's right. He said it was the fucking uh, Vaud villains. Vaud villains for some reason. All right. Speaking of tag titles, uh, New Day versus the Club. Who do you guys got, Brian? Club. Oh, the club. Ah. I don't want it, but uh, I think it's the club. I think it's time. I, I think New Day. This was another tough one, uh, but I think New Day holds on to it. And uh, I also say the club. Um, not that New Day is bad. Um, I'm not saying they're stale anymore, um, but they're not as over as they once were. No. Um, they don't need the titles to be over, and I think the club kind of does. Yeah, and a lot of I think a lot of the segments that they've been doing with the club have are just not good. <laughs> Like, even I read an article today where Gallows uh, did an interview, mm-hmm. and it was like, yeah, you know, like, the thing we did with, the, like, the senior citizens, that just didn't stick. Yeah, Like, didn't. that just wasn't good. Like, yeah. it, and it really wasn't. Yeah. It had some funny moments, but it they wasn't. Tried. The fact remains that Gallows and Anderson are two of the best wrestlers on Raw. Yes. Uh, as far as a tag team, they're incredible. They're just not doing what they need to do as far as uh, in-ring promo, backstage promo. They're not doing what the New Day has done. Once they find that, though, I, I yeah. think it- it's going to be skyrocket because they're already good in the ring, and once they get their groove as far as promos go, it's it's lights out. They need to become more of more heels, I think. Yeah. They need to do dirty things. They need to do evil things. You know what they need to find? It's it. Yeah, they really they do need to change a little bit and kind of get that evil aspect where it really makes you hate them. Yeah, uh, and not just kind of be entertained by them. Um, but I, how many times can these guys lose? They're gonna lose the momentum, like any momentum that they have. They're just gonna keep squashing it. Like these guys can't keep losing. You talk all about they the club? do, all they do, I feel like, is lose to the new day. But I yeah. feel like it's been forever since they've been losing to the new day. The only thing that would be interesting, and the new day, I think, are about sixty-eight days away from it, is the new day breaking uh, demolitions tag team championship reign. I don't want them to break demolitions. Why can't Why can't we just leave certain things how they are? Why can't things be a part of like? history wrestling like lore. older things like why does everything new have to trump the old stuff it doesn't i'm not it saying does. It's, no i'm not saying it does don't fucking yell at me i'm not <laughs> saying you i'm just saying in general like they always have to break records with these new people and it's like what was wrong with the old record you know what i mean what was wrong with hey these guys you know 25 years ago made it happen and we leave it at that so, you know what i mean they do it with everything they do it with like the least amount of time in a Royal Rumble or the most amount of time in a Royal Rumble. Like, they can never... They can never just leave something how it is. So, I'm going to completely agree with you. However, records are made to be broken. And the... the, the blah, 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 blah. Demolition obviously broke somebody else's record to get their record as the world... Uh, the longest reigning tag team champion. So, what was wrong with the record before Demolitions? It probably wasn't much, because that was, I mean... <clears throat> But that's all that. I'm saying is that records are meant to be broken. While I agree with you where you don't need the, the new age to feel superior by breaking all these older records, it, it's they're going to be broken eventually. Like, you know, even in regular sports, you know, you're, you're always itching for that quarterback to throw more touchdown passes than uh, Peyton Manning did that one season. Was it Peyton? 55? Wow, you know something. Right? I was going to say, what the fuck do you know about football? Did you look this up before the past? No, no, asshole. 
I think it's no Brady broke it. I think it's fifty one. Fifty one. Okay. I don't Brady and Manning, one of them. All I'm saying is like there's records out there to be broken. Um, obviously, Ric Flair, 16-time champions, but there's a couple people right behind him. I will be really mad, and I will go into that when we talk about this All right. this other match. Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. What, what other match? Oh, you're thinking about No Way Out. Or No yeah. Mercy? No Mercy? No Mercy. No Mercy. Yeah, no mercy. yeah that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah, we got, no, don't worry. Next week, we'll talk about another fucking pay-per-view. <laughs> this, uh, this match with Owens and Rollins, I have no prediction on this because I honestly have no clue. You got to pick someone. Ah, fuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you guys go first. Nope. You go first. Fuck. Um, God. I don't want uh, our decision to I, make your decision. <laughs> I love them both. Gosh. Uh, Flip a coin. Um, I'm going to go with Kevin Owens. Okay. So I think we're unanimous on that. Then Kevin Owens walks out as still the universal champion. Yes, sir. I can't even say without cringing universal champion. No, it's so ugly. It's almost as ugly as a kid crying. Almost as ugly as you, actually. It might be uglier, and that's hard to do. Fuck off. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with... As much as I love... I love Rollins and... I just think Owens, I just like Owens too. I don't know. I think he's a good champion. I think Rollins had his time and I think he'll have it again. Um, I guess I think right now it's just Kevin Owens' time and I think he has a lot to show us. All right. So that is it for uh, Clash of Champions predictions. All right. All right. Let's get this ball rolling, people. Uh, this I've been so waiting for this. All right. Top 10, ten superstars ten, of ten, all time. 10. Basically, the way I looked at it is top 10 superstars that contributed to their respective companies. They made wrestling great for when they were around. Make wrestling great again. Make wrestling great. Wrestling's going to be huge, people. We got something amazing with wrestling right now. It's going to be fantastic. All right. That was actually pretty good, Trump. I know. <laughs> I mean, I guess you're both assholes over it. It's true. So yeah. I figure after after we all go through our top 10, uh, we can go over what Sports Illustrated deemed fit for their top 10 of all time. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I think that's a good idea. I like that. Which, you know, by the way, going into this, everybody should know, I did not go by who I think was the best wrestler to affect the business uh, throughout (laughs) time. They're my my (laughs) personal, my personal favorite wrestlers of all time, whether it's for nostalgic reasons or when I was growing up or whatever was happening at the time, it is not what I think is actually the best wrestlers of all time. (laughs) Just because I feel like I'm going to get a lot of heat if people start tapping in, they're going to be like, are you a fucking idiot? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to be like, yes, I am. So with, with that said, why don't you start us off and give us your number 10? Eddie Guerrero. Ooh, that's actually, you know what? I, uh, it was very tough to pick like a top ten, and like I'm thinking about like guys that definitely deserve to be on like a top list. Eddie Guerrero like is easily a top twenty guy. I had a really hard time with a top ten list. I had a really hard time with it, and my number nine, I'm still not sure of. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, seriously? So yeah, make I still I have two people down for number nine because I'm not sure. All right, so uh, I'll let you put both. Okay. Brian, who do you got? Well, do you want to make any uh, any why uh, Eddie Guerrero made your top like number ten or? I just, I loved everything about Eddie. I loved his personality. I loved the way that he wrestled. I loved him cheating all the time. I am a big fan of cheating. 
<laughs> I just I loved everything about Eddie Guerrero except for his mullet in WCW, and that was about it. <laughs> I think he had it in WWE too for a little bit, yeah. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Brian, um, so just quick overview on my list. Um, I went with Body of Work as well as like some of my personal favorite guys. That's why the the list shook shook out the way it did. Um, I also started with a long list, so I have twenty one guys that I trimmed down to 10, and it was really difficult. I just want to give you a couple of the guys I left well, off the list. I, I just want to bring you back to the last time you had 21 guys and you only trimmed it down to 10. Like, it was a made for a good time for you. No, that was you, <laughs> if you remember correctly. You were just looking in the mirror thought you were talking to me. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, the notable mentions. Ricky Steamboat. Yep. Good. Dusty Rhodes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. Um, I have him up there, Mick Foley. So, really quickly, because you just said Dusty Rhodes, I had Dusty Rhodes at number six, and because I was trying to be non-biased, I put somebody else in place of Dusty Rhodes, and I think I'm going to get a little bit of shit for it. <laughs> this is so funny, Brian, because these are the people that I struggled with. Yeah. Yeah. This- these were the people where I was like, these are the people I kind of want on this list a little bit, but yeah. I, but other people, people kind of trumped it, and Dusty Rhodes was one of those ones that I struggled with, and I was like, Dusty should be on this list. Me but too. I missed, like, I was super young when Dusty did a lot of what he did, what he was so great for. So I feel like I kind of missed uh, his kind of, like, heyday. Yeah. You know, I, I remember, like, the polka dot Dusty until later years when I could actually go back and watch things. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, he, I had him up at first, too, and then it's like, looking at what I, the guys I wound up with on my list, like, it, it became more of... Guys that I saw a lot of, and because I, like I go back and I like watching some of the old stuff, so like I did see a lot of Dusty stuff, and I appreciate it. But like my list shook out completely different. Um, but my number ten guy, um, I have his Edge. Nice. Okay. I'm a, I can respect that. Um, yep. Beat the body work that he had uh, as not only the tag team, cha- multiple time tag team champion, multiple time world champion. Um, European. During the invasion, he was I think U.S. champion at one point. He was Intercontinental Champion, mm-hmm. King of the Ring. You know, he did it all, and he, he lasted a long time as well. He also, to put it into perspective, he did it all when there was not many people doing it all. Exactly. Yep. Um, and he actually knocked off my list because I was struggling with this. This was the one of the hardest ones I had. He knocked Bret Hart off my top ten. Whoa. Oh. Wow, really? Yeah. Now wow. I'm really interested to see your top ten. All right, so you guys want to hear my top ten? When my number 10, I should say. Let the controversy begin. <laughs> so I'm going to do it this way. I'll read my paragraph, and then I'll obviously tell you who it is. Um, the paragraph will usually give it away. Virgil! What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this actually, this paragraph could relate to Virgil, so here, listen up. Whether you like him or you do not like him, you have to respect the fact that Hulk Hogan is wrestling. Hulk Hogan, uh, Hulk Hogan made a splash no matter which company he went to, whether it be WWE, WCW, or even TNA. He made the most iconic heel turn of all time when he clearly did not have to in order to salvage his career, but it ended up being the best decision he had ever made. I might not be Hulkamaniac, for the, um, but the fact remains that Hulk, Hulk Hogan is a top 10 superstar. But that's not your I, list. It is too. I, would, I, I struggle with putting him on there too. But it was tough. He, I would say he's top fifteen for me. Yeah, 
it, like I said, I, I was very he changed. He changed this. the face of this business. He, he really he did. did. I he have did. to agree with it, whether you, you, you like him or not. He, he did change the business. Correct. And he made huge impacts. Like you said, he, wherever he, no went. matter where he went, yeah. like there was big shit that happened. So correct. Big shit popping, little shit stopping. <laughs> God. Um, all right. Number nine, Perry. Ah, oh, this is the one where I have two. And it was really hard for me because I couldn't decide which one I wanted at number nine. And it went between Kurt Angle and Dolph Ziggler. At number nine, Dolph Ziggler? Yeah. Of wrestlers all time. My favorites. Your my favorites. personal favorites. Okay, that's right. I, that, I got to keep remembering that. <laughs> yeah, okay. keep in mind, this is my personal favorite. This is not who I think is the number one wrestlers, like, of all time for everybody. I got you. Okay. I can definitely see that, though. So... So it was Dolph Ziggler and who else? And Kurt Angle. I just Kurt couldn't Angle. decide which one I liked more. I like the fact that both Kurt Angle and Dolph Ziggler have the same place in your heart in wrestling uh, history. They do. They're both because they're both wrestling to the core. Yeah. yeah. No, I. Uh, you I know what I mean. And they both have such rich backgrounds with wrestling and amateur wrestling and Olympic wrestling and I don't know. I just there's really like a soft spot in my heart for them. Okay. Sounds like the soft spot in my head. I don't have a soft spot on my head. Then they fixed it. Yeah. Um, the smart people thing is uh, theory is working out for us, Perry, because I have Angle at number nine. Do you? Brian, we're in sync tonight, baby. Seriously. That's it. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll go. I'll, I'm gonna go say though. My next guy, I think, will probably not be on either one of your lists. Are you gonna okay. go a little bit more into uh, Kurt Angle? Angle again, body of work. You know. One of the fastest guys to win the world title, won it inside of a year or just over a year, I believe it was. Um, simultaneously holding the the Eurocontinental ch- Championship. Um, great triple threat match at WrestleMania with him, Benoit, and Jericho. I mean, who? Chris it's Benoit. one of my favorites. Um, yeah. You know, his mic work was always great, especially from day one. Um, one of the best heels, one of the one of the best baby faces to that effect too. Um, changed completely when he went to ECW. Um, I thought for the better. Unfortunately, it wasn't for the long haul. Um, the great in TNA. He revitalized them for a period of time as well. He's one of their first big signings that they got. Yeah. Um, you know, tag team champion. Uh, he did it all. Just endless. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So number nine for uh, the god that runs the pod. The original Nature Boy. He came at a time where wrestling was just beginning to air on national television. He's been duplicated, but never replicated. And he was the first ever WWE, F champion. The significance he has to pro wrestling is limitless. And he paved the way for guys like Shawn Michaels, John Cena, Ric Flair, and even Hulk Hogan. Buddy Rogers deserves to be on any top ten list. And he's the original Nature Boy. And... Literally, there's nothing much else you can say about Buddy Rogers. And if you haven't had a chance to watch a Buddy Rogers match, they're not like matches now, but they're so exciting to watch because just what they were able to do back then when they didn't have the 450 splashes and all this other stuff, and he came out with these robes and elegance, and he just was way, way ahead of his time. Yeah. Simple as that. Any, uh, so I guess go right into eight. Perry. Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper. See, yeah, he uh, just literally like missed the list. Yeah. Roddy Piper. 
because when I was a kid, I mean, Mike, we we've sat down multiple times and we've watched just his promos. Yeah. Alone, and you know what I mean, like the '92 Rumble with with the Mountie oh and God. the integrity, and you know, like <clears throat> he ain't got no damn integrity. Yeah, he just you know his manhood and it, he just. All around, he, I mean, he was the most fantastic heel. Yeah. He was the most fantastic heel when when heels like that didn't exist. So, he he was kind of like the innovator, and he took it a step beyond everybody. And when I was a kid, I absolutely loved Ronnie Piper. And when he died, I was absolutely devastated. Um, he's the reason I own a kilt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he just, I don't know. There's always something about Ronnie, Ronnie Piper that... I don't know. I guess he was just wild, and, and I was a wild kid, and I, I loved him. I just always, I, I when I think of my childhood in wrestling, and when I first started watching it almost thirty years ago, um, Roddy Piper was my guy, and he's been. I followed him until he retired. I followed him after he retired. I've read his books. I've watched his DVDs. I. He's just one of those guys that I he I hold him very close. Yeah, I mean, there were two guys that passed away, wrestlers, I should say, that uh, hit me more emotionally than I thought would have, and it was the Ultimate Warrior and Roddy Piper, um, mostly because of how surprising it was. You didn't expect it, but just also the fact of, hey, I'm not going to really be able to see Roddy Piper in a ring ever again, and uh, just what he did for the business was uh, will never be uh, replicated. Yeah, and I, th- I think... You know, aside from what you're saying, if there wasn't Rowdy Roddy Piper, there wouldn't, wrestling wouldn't be where it is. I know that you were just talking about Hulk Hogan. Well, Hulk Hogan wouldn't have, wouldn't be Hulk Hogan without that rival with Roddy Piper. No, he wouldn't have had a WrestleMania one. Plain and simple. We wouldn't have, you know, WWE wouldn't have branched out into, into mainstream media. Correct. It just, he did so much for the business and I feel like he was really underappreciated. Uh, for such a long period of time, and I know Hogan got the spotlight for such a long period of time, uh, but Roddy Piper sits on that list for me. Um, at number eight, I, you know, I I would put him a little bit higher, but I know that I feel like that wrestling skill set wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, he was more of a brawler. Uh, he was funny. He was funny as hell on the mic. Um, and I was actually just this morning watching WrestleMania three with uh, adorable Adrian Donis. Oh God! And that's one of my favorites. It's one of my favorite matches. Yeah. That's a, that's an instant classic right there. All right, I mean, very well said. Um, that was that was very good. I love that, uh, Brian. My number eight, uh, Booker T. Whoa! Wow, I didn't see that coming. Seriously? Yeah, that's why I said I, I didn't think you guys were gonna think of it. Um, just his again. I, I'm I'm big into like watching how guys work and looking at all their accomplishments and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he started from the bottom. Now he's here. Uh, now he's here, yeah. <laughs> Hall of Famer, world champion in WCW and WWE. He, he climbed the ladder in two companies mm-hmm. um, when a lot of people thought he wouldn't. So, you know, he, tag team champion in WCW, television champion, U.S. champion, finally hit the pinnacle with the world title, ended the company as world champion and U.S. champion. WCW? Yeah. Yeah. He cl- he closed the company as champion, uh, both champions, came over to WWE, one of the focal points of the invasion. Um, eventually, he wound up taking a back seat, 
But you know what? They tried to put him with Goldust, and that was comedic gold, the two of them together. Pun intended. Book, book dust. Book dust? Oh, yeah, book dust. Yeah. Book dust. Comedic gold. I didn't think of that. Pun not intended, but thanks. Um, you know, the failed NWO thing where he they kicked him out of NWO, and, you know, him going on to the best of seven series he had with Chris Benoit on SmackDown. The King Booker gimmick was amazing. Uh you know, he he did it all in both companies, and he was always a reliable hand. And anything he ever did, he put his all into. So I think that's that's one reason I have him so high up on the list. I, very well said. And again, like I, I'm loving this because we have such differencing top tens, and that's exactly what I wanted. I didn't want to come out here and, uh, you know, give the same list from all three of us. And I absolutely love that. While I'm pretty sure, for the most part, our top four... I might even stretch it into our top fives might be similar. Uh, they might not be in the same spots. Um, but number eight, uh, at a time where Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warriors reigned supreme, WWE needed a new champion. And while they had tons of guys in the shadows with the quote-unquote it factor, they aligned themselves with a technically sound wrestler that nobody else would have ever noticed, Bret Hart. He held the company up when its top-tier contenders abandoned ship Brett is the embodiment of a pro wrestler, and his in-ring work will always be unmatched. He wasn't the excellence of execution on the mic, but he more than made up for that in the ring. And that's why he is a top ten wrestler, in my eyes. So, uh, very simply put, Bret Hart, number eight. All but right. Let's go to seven. We got Perry. I got Davey Boy Smith. Ooh, I like that yeah. one. I got Davy Boy. I followed Davy Boy from when I was a kid with the British Bulldogs, and I love the Dynamite Kid too. Uh, obviously, his career wasn't as long lasting due to injury, but uh, Bulldog. In, I I can remember being in school, and anyone you talked to who knew me when I was a kid, I was obsessed with the British Bulldog. I was so obsessed. Like we made gingerbread houses in school, and I brought my Davy Boy Smith figure and put it in the front of my gingerbread house because he lived there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, like, I loved him, and I know, like, it kind of ruins it later on when you realize, like, when you're a kid, you don't realize they're gone, and then they come back, and they go back and forth, and then you get older, and it, like, kind of ruins it for you, and you're like, oh, wow, they got fired because they were using drugs, you know? (laughs) You're like, there goes my, like, magical vision of of Davy Boy, but uh, I've loved him since he was a British Bulldog, and I followed his career all the way up until he died. So how many times uh, did we watch uh, Wembley stadium SummerSlam together? It's my, it's one of my favorites. Uh, SummerSlam 92 is one of my absolute favorites. Just top to bottom, such a great pay-per-view and him just getting that moment. I think will uh, will always be unmatched. That was like when my, when I was younger, that was one of my, my favorite moments yeah. uh, in wrestling was when he did that. Cause he got a main event spot for an, for a mid car championship. Yeah. And he, I know he never got the taste of, you know, top gold, but I didn't need him to have top gold. I just needed him to be there. And he was. Yeah. Is that it? That's all I got for you. Very well put. Um, I, I'm, again, I, just, I know I'm going to keep saying this, but I love this. I'm uh, very sentimental. When no. it comes to, like, it's really weird because I'm not really a sentimental person. No, uh, not at all. Anyway, <laughs> but, when <it> comes to, <laughs> but when it comes to my, you can ask my wife. Yeah. <laughs> When it comes to my wrestlers, I 100% am because my innocence, like all of 
when I was a kid, this is wrestling is, is truly the love of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've loved it longer than aside from my, obviously my mother and my father, mm-hmm. I've loved wrestling more than I've ever loved anything for the longest period of time in my life. So I get very attached to things uh, that I've grown with and people, these guys have, you know, I know they're entertainers and whatever, but these are people who have been in my life for my whole life since I was four years old. So when I grow with them and, you know, I watch them kind of move through their careers and go from a young guy to an old guy and to some of them death, uh, you know. No, it's it's uh, definitely. I have a very strong attachment to my wrestlers. I would definitely say that we all feel that same sentiment. Uh, so Brian, who do you have for seven? Real quick sidebar. Go. Um, I have an idea for like a contest between the three of us with oh. her mentioning gingerbread houses for the holidays. <laughs> we should do gingerbread themed, uh, gingerbread house themed WWE or wrestling themed gingerbread houses and have That'd a contest. That'd be great. We're gonna have like and, and let the fans, fans let the fans pick who did it best. That's fucking hilarious. Mm, I like that. Okay. Um, so to my number seven, um, you guys, I, I struggle with this one a little bit because he didn't do it in the big company, but he was very influential to the business, I feel. Sting. Wow. Um, you know, his run with the Four Horsemen was incredible um his run i mean er, early 90s it was a little shaky and and stuff over there in wcw but you know he had great matches with rick rude unfortunately he's the one that ended rude's career um he always had great matches with vader that it was a pretty good rivalry he had um he always put his all into everything not gonna lie it was a bit of a stinger growing up um, you know the the bright colors and everything i drew me in um same thing why i like warrior back in the day as well um you know he brought a sense of intensity but charisma as well um he you know i just thought he was he was a great wrestler and then to have that complete change in character that's one of the most drastic changes in characters anybody that we've done. ever seen before and it worked beautifully to a t mm-hmm. and he was the perfect foil to NWO, and I think had they gone the route that they originally had planned, where they were going to put him in the NWO, it wouldn't have worked out as well as it did. I agree with you. So, all right, go ahead, continue. Uh, that's really all I had. So, here's the weirdest thing ever, and I'll just read my paragraph for number seven. In a world where WWE was the supreme leader, and the be-all, end-all, somebody remained true to his company till the bitter end. And even beyond that, he held the world of WCW on his shoulders and kept it afloat as long as he possibly could. While many people tuned in for the Goldbergs and the NWO, everybody wanted to see Sting. He evolved with the times and remained relevant in an ever-changing world of pro wrestling. It wasn't until very recently he emerged in the WWE Universe, and while it was short-lived, it was memorable beyond recognition. Sting is well-deserving of a top-ten spot and will go down in history as one of the most popular superstars ever. That'll probably be the only time that any three of us actually align a top-ten superstar. Yeah. We um, didn't align a top-ten superstar, all three of us. What? Well, There's only yet, two. No. I had Davey Boy. 
Yeah. So the two of us aligned. Well, that's but, no. Well, that's yeah. what I meant. Any of the three of us. Technically, me and Perry had angled together too. So. That is true. Um, but um, again, and I just thought about this. Like, even Sting's career, like after WCW folded, went on as the main event with Ric Flair on Nitro, the last Nitro match of of all time. Um, he didn't go to WWE right away. Um, the matches he had in WWE, two of them. The Triple H match was was gimmicky with NWO and DX, and right. it was a little it was gimmicky. It was a little weird because NWO and Stink feuded; they weren't together. Yeah, but I mean, it was a cool moment. Mm-hmm. And then the match he had with Seth Rollins was a good match until yeah, the, the unfortunate incident. But like, even go to his TNA career, like he gave them a boost when they needed it as well. Yeah, um, I still think Engel Engel was a bigger boost to TNA at the time because he was more more of a current. Star, yeah, but the two of them. Together. But the two of them together, they had great matches. Sting had um, good matches with Mick Foley when Mick Foley showed up in TNA. He did great stuff with um, against Hogan with Hogan in TNA. Um, you know, he was a solid foundation. I even enjoyed some of the stuff that he did with Jeff Jarrett there. That oh yeah, I showed you that already. Right. I said that before. Okay. Um, but you know, he he's had a great career wherever he's went. Like. The only times he's really had a bad anything that was crappy of a career was late WCW when nobody could have a good career because he was fighting Vampiro and yeah. Insane Clown Posse and the the Kiss Demon, <laughs> and they were fighting in a ball of fire match or whatever it was. And he got he got set on fire and and attacked by Scott Steiner's pit bulls or whatever it was Rottweilers. Stupid shit. Like it was stupid stuff like that. But even that, like you know what, he went out and did it because he knew, you know what this is what they asked me to do. I'm going to do it. True. No, very true. All right, rolling right along. Perry, who do you got at number six? <laughs> okay, before I go to number six, I Good. do need to make one more comment about the British Bulldog from my number seven. Because when I was younger, I think I was in the fourth grade, and I was, like, obsessed with, like, writing to WWE superstars. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom, I actually, like, made my mom write back to me so I could bring it to school and show people that the British Bulldog wrote back to me, but he really didn't, and, like... You know, my, obviously my teacher saw right through it. But then later on, Ted DiBiase actually did write back to me, and it was fantastic. Um, but my number six uh, is Chris Benoit. Um, I think he was one of the best. And I know that he uh, idolized the, the Dynamite Kid when he was younger, and he had met him and, you know, uh, got some good advice from him and whatnot. But uh, Chris Benoit, one of the most technically sound superstars uh, ever, you know, he... He was a quiet guy. Um, he wasn't uh, a master on the mic, but uh, you felt everything he did in the ring. You felt his emotion. You believed his stories. You bought into him, and I think he was uh, absolutely one of... Uh, he didn't have a total package, which is why he's halfway down my list, but Chris Benoit, one of the best wrestlers of all time. I yeah. would not disagree with that at all. Who do you got, buddy? Um, I have Undertaker. Um, not best wrestlers per se, although he he's had probably one of the greatest matches of all time two years in a row with Shawn Michaels. He had a great match at WrestleMania with Triple H. Two great matches with Triple H. Um, the longevity of his career is amazing. Even though the last few years it's only been like one or two matches here and there, still over twenty five years in the business. He did it with a character that shouldn't have worked. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought a, a, a glorified Gravedigger or a bomber, where the hell, uh, you know, an Undertaker, who the hell thought that would have worked? 
Yeah. Granted, that was a time when um, job job gimmicks were big for Vince McMahon. Yeah. We had a garbage man and the moonlighting sonata of wrestling. Yeah, we had a hockey player. We you know we had all this crap mm-hmm. that he was giving us, and I mean even though this was still a little bit before that, you know this shouldn't have worked and it did. He played the character well. He was all in. He's a locker room leader. You know. He gets respect. He is probably the most respect, one of the most respected wrestlers of all time. Um, you know, and a lot of guys credit their careers, and McFoley credits his career. You know, he will help you. He will break you. He will do what he has to do to keep the business, the business. Mm-hmm. And I, and that's one of the things I appreciate the most was he still till this day he still kayfabes. Yeah, he won't. You no. don't see him at appearances. Even when Paul Bearer got inducted into the Hall of Fame, he got till the very end. You got the gong, and and showing up, and that was it. You got nothing from him. Yeah, like you know, and I, I you know, even though we know it's still K, we know it's kayfabe. It, it that period is long gone, but I still appreciate that from him. Absolutely. Like he takes it very seriously, and you know, even the the last few matches, like with Lesnar, it wasn't that great, but they were still good matches. You know, yes, he's older and he can't do what he used to, but. You know, and then the agility. You walk in the ropes. You never saw a guy that big before him doing that. Um, you know, and then the championships. He's going to be a surefire Hall of Famer. You know that. Um, multiple-time world champion. You know what? He never held a second-tier champion, but he didn't need to. He never he never needed a title to justify a feud. I never uh, thought of that. He he didn't. Yeah. He really didn't. You know what? He got the tag titles a few times with Kane, which was cool. He, you know what? That worked for him. And The Rock. And The Rock. <laughs> and uh, Big Show. Yeah. And didn't he have it with Austin one time? I want to say he did have it with Stone Cold, but I'm not yeah. 100% certain. It that. was one of those one night things like him and The Rock. Yeah. Um, but you know what? He didn't need a title to legit- legitimize a feud. He was not one of those guys, whereas so many other guys needed. A belt, whereas you know Austin, a lot of his greatest feuds were surrounded by a belt. Yeah. But still, Taker didn't need that. He always could do something else, like whether it's with the Million Dollar Corporation or Yokozuna or you know anybody. Um, but that's why I have him up there so high. I was I was definitely afraid of the Undertaker when I was a kid. Everybody. Oh I was, God, yeah. I was so afraid of him when <laughs> oh I was a my kid. God. My my sister's first husband looked just like him, and I was so afraid. <laughs> so afraid. So uh, this is interesting. Um, I'll read it as follows. In keeping with my theme of loyalty uh, pertaining to Sting, there's nobody more loyal in the business than The Undertaker. Uh, it's very well known wow. that I am not The Undertaker's <laughs> wow. biggest fan, but the fact remains that he has stood the test of time and continues to stay relevant and emerge as a top guy year after year after year where some of the biggest talents have already drifted off into the sunset i.e. Triple H, Stone Cold, The Rock Angle, Hogan, Flair etc. These guys are out of there Undertaker's still doing his thing he's changed his character a few times but he's always remained the badass that people both fear and respect all at the same time he can captivate you with his power and his athleticism all at the same time as well and although he's up there in age and his time is limited, nobody will ever be able to tell a story like The Undertaker can in the ring. Interesting. Uh, yeah. That you know, that last part, I'm going to disagree with you, and I'll tell you why when I hit number four. Okay. I'll, uh, I, I anticipate it. 
but just, until then, I want to go out on a limb and say me and Mike did not talk about our no, top tens at all before we, this. We really, we, I really, was very, yeah, no, I was very adamant about nobody knowing what my list was because I didn't want to influence anybody. I've been shielding my paper from Mike the entire time, so he can't see it. It's, I, I can't even read his chicken scratch to begin with. It's not that bad. <laughs> I'll admit, I have, I don't have great handwriting, but that is not bad. That is legible. Well, I can't even really see it. Your handwriting on the other on the other side, though, you are it on looks, a computer screen. It's a surface. It's, it's typed. <laughs> All right, Perry, we got uh, – actually, we're breaking top five now. Yes. Here we go. Perry, who's All your right. uh, number five? I'm going to get heat for this, whether it's from you guys or it's it's from fans. Oh, I'm excited. This is uh, – I know it's a little bit lower on the list than most people would put him, Yeah. and I have, I have reason for it. I have Ric Flair at number five. Wow. I do have – I have him at number five, and that's because Ric Flair has had such a long career. His longevity is ridiculous. Um, I – Ric Flair was another one where it's like I didn't live those moments with Ric Flair. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the stuff he did was in the 70s and the 80s, and he was a WCW guy for so long, and when I was a kid, I – I didn't even know of Ric Flair until 92 when he came into WWE. Um, so I, I didn't really get that respect for Flair until I was older. Um, because, you know, as a kid, you're not, you, you don't think of respect and, and what people have put into this business and other places and where they've been and, and what they've done. You just kind of see them for what they are at that time. Um, and, and as much as I did like Ric Flair in 92, and when I watched that Rumble, I was stoked that he won because I, I always have loved the heels, which is weird for a kid. Um, where my brother was always, you know, he always loved the good guys. He was always a Hogan and, and uh, Ultimate Warrior kind of guy. I really loved and, and clung to heels. So I really didn't get that respect for Ric Flair, and I didn't get to live those moments that people older than us got to live and, and experience, like, live and, and fully. Um, but I absolutely have gone back and, and really watched through his career and gained such a high respect for Ric Flair. And the only reason he's at number five is because I didn't get to feel that as it was happening. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually really, especially for you, considering that you're talking about like your favorite guys and this and that. Oh, I love, Uh, I love Ric Flair and I I do. I just, I can't there's certain guys that I have lived through their entire careers and it's hard for me to put somebody that I didn't above them. I, I mean, it, again, it's very interesting where you put them, but I completely understand and I completely respect it, but I am extremely excited to see who your number one is. I have a few guesses, but did um, you think, did you think it was flair? My number one? I did. Yeah, I figured that. Do you, uh, let me ask you a question. Do you think flair is my number one? Uh, no, I think he's your top three. Okay. Brian, five. My number five is, uh, mm, yeah, dig it. Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. Dude, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> um, <laughs> again, uh, you know, he had a bit of a longer career. Um, he is one of my favorites of all time, absolutely. Uh, one of the best promo guys in the business. Um, I think that's something you're going to see a little bit going forward with maybe the exception of number two. Um, you know, I like I like the guys that could talk. Um, you know, eventually I think 
like Bray Wyatt will be on this on this list soon. Not top ten, maybe, but like top twenty. Because mm. um, you know how much I like I like Bray Wyatt. Um, again, I like the guys who could talk, who can tell a story. Um, Savage was phenomenal in the ring. Um, some again, some of the best promo work we've we've ever seen. How many times have we quoted while we work when we work together, Mike? Quoted Savage just on quoted everything. Wrestling. Well, yeah. the wrestling, but yeah. how many of those conversations were Savage? A lot. Because Savage can relate to anything. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, he, you know what? He got to WCW. His WWE run was amazing. You know, as a commentator, he was great as well. Um, he got to WCW. I think it started off a little weird. And, you know, they put him with Hogan. His feud with Flair that they continued, I think, was better yeah. done in WCW, WCW than it was in WWE. It was too quick in WWE. Yes. The match that, that to that's, this day, and I don't mean to cut you that's off. Your num- that's your number problem. Too quick. Sorry. Um, yeah. But I, I really don't mean to cut you off, yeah, but no, no. the match between him, uh, Macho Man and Ric Flair... It wasn't even the main event. At WrestleMania 8? Yeah. It was the greatest match in WrestleMania history. In my personal opinion, it is the most underrated match in WrestleMania history, and it is one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history. Yes. I yep. am with you, and yeah. you know me, and WrestleMania 8 is probably by far one of my favorite WrestleManias, and I know Easily. people are like, what are you talking about? I don't think but anybody that... knows the, the just the, the amazing magnitude of WrestleMania 8. I don't think yeah. people appreciate it for what it is. It uh, WrestleMania 8 is, is by far probably my favorite WrestleMania. It's one that I watch when I need to be comforted yeah. in some way, um, and <laughs> it's, it's, a lot of it is based around the Savage and Flair feud. Yep, very true. Uh, go ahead, I'm sorry, buddy. And the whole, the whole mechanics with, with Elizabeth and and oh, and him protecting her. I just we'll get into it later. But nice. Brian, finish your finish yeah. your thing. But yeah, the Photoshop oh. before Photoshop. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know. It, again, Savage is again. He really is one of my personal favorites. But I also looked at I looked at body of work here. Um. You know, he did have IC title. He did have WWE World Title, WCW World Title, US Championship. Um. I don't believe he ever held the WCW Tag Titles. I know he didn't hold the Tag Titles in WWE. Um, I thought they did hold the tag titles in WWE with Mega Powers, no? No, they never got those. Yeah, the Mega Powers were never tag champs. Fucking bummer. They never even Big got a bummer. shot at them, I don't think. I think the only Hogan team that got a shot was Hogan and Beefcake. Yep. I was going to say, yeah, Beefcake. Um, Beefcake! <laughs> he's on the top ten. <laughs> uh, but, you know, his his run in WCW was good. It it wasn't as great as it was in WWE. You know, I think they he's one, one another one of those guys that got misutilized. I think he had less control in his contracts probably than the other guys did, so that's why that happened. He got pushed to the back more, and I felt like he was more of a second tier. I felt like in WCW he became like a a top tier mid card guy, not a top level guy like he was in WWE for the longest time. And I think that's what hurt him in my case a little bit was. That run in WCW wasn't all that it could have been. You know what? He was put in the NWO. He was put in the NWO Wolfpack. He was always second fiddle to somebody. He was second fiddle to Hogan. He was second fiddle to Nash and Sting and even Luger at points in the Wolfpack. When he was in WCW, he, he was second fiddle to Hogan again. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, but he, like the great the work he had did with Flair there was great. It, it, WCW was kind of what lowered him on, on my list for me. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I never thought about that, but 
It's very, very true. There was never a moment in Macho Man's career where he wasn't playing second fiddle to at least Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I mean, and he could have done, he could have carried the company given right. a chance. I just don't think that they trusted him for whatever it, reason. And, it, and in WWE, it was, he was kind of the Bret Hart before Bret Hart, yeah. but with better charisma. Way better charisma. Way better charisma. And that was at the time when Vince was still all about his all guys. about the the built guys and everything like that, and that's what hurt his case. And then when all those guys left and he had no other option, he knew he could hitch his wagon to Bret Hart. All right. Um, so, my, this is way too weird. My number five. While Hulkamania was running wild, there was one man that wouldn't sit back and become the cookie cutter. One man that took cutting a promo to a whole new level and athleticism in the ring to new heights. When guys were nailing leg drops and gorilla press slams, Macho Man was dropping elbows. He showed that you didn't need to be 6'6 and 300 pounds to be a top star or even a champion. All you needed was passion. Macho Man will easily go down as one of the greatest champions and wrestlers of all time, and thank God he has a spot in the Hall of Fame. I'm really, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I'm super shocked that he's as low on this list for you guys as you are shocked that Flair is on mine. Really? I am so shocked. It, I'm really, I'm like baffled. The same way that you are with me with Ric Flair because I'm such a, a Flair fanatic, you are such a, a, a Randy Savage fanatic Randy, yeah. that I'm really, I'm so, really shocked that he's a number five for you, but you know, you have your, everybody has their reasons for things. And so to what you were saying before, if this was a personal top 10 macho man would, it would be tough. It would be macho man and Ric Flair would be fighting in my heart for a number one spot. And that is that, that, that is very, there's I no understand. question. You're not going, you're not going, you guys aren't going the personal route. You're going no, more no. of like the overall route where I'm kind of a little bit of a different story for you guys. But I love that the fact that you're going the personal route because at least one of us is doing that personal true to our heart wrestling fan. And maybe, uh, you know, sooner or later we'll do, you know, what, what do you say at the end of the show? Once we're done with our, all our top 10 lists, throw out a quick 10 personal. I don't know because we're already oh, pushing two hours. Yeah, okay. Uh, Really? But, uh, wow. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the I mean, ball rolling. yeah, exactly. We got to get the ball rolling on this one. Um, so actually with that, we'll uh, jump right into number four. Perry, who do you got? I have Brett the Hitman Hart okay. for number four. Not surprised. Um, yeah, no, not a surprise if you know me at all. Yep. Um, I love Brett Hart. I always have loved Brett Hart. He's another guy I have watched from the Hart Foundation on. Um, I watched him grow with the Hart Foundation I watched him grow on the mic, even though he, you know, even down the line with the faction of the Heart Foundation, which is another topic we'll get into in another episode. Um, he started doing a lot better uh, promo wise. But when he started out, I mean, he put those sunglasses on because he had a hard time looking at the camera and, and actually running a promo. Um, Bret Hart is one of those guys like you were talking about Undertaker, where you didn't need him to cut a promo because you felt him in the ring. You felt his story. You believed his story. You invested in him. Um, and like I said, I, I followed him. I followed him from the Hart Foundation when he was a heel with Jimmy Hart all the way uh, to the end of his career with Goldberg. Um, and then him resurfacing in WWE 12 years later. Uh, so Bret Hart is definitely one of those top guys for me. Uh, in elementary school, I rocked the... I rock the pink sunglasses um, all <laughs> yeah, the time. Yeah, that god awful T-shirt. If you if you haven't if you haven't noticed, I was I was the weird kid in 
in elementary school because at that point nobody had really liked wrestling except for my best friend at the time, um, which was why he was my best friend. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, Bret Hart, man, uh, amazing storyteller, amazing technician, uh, very, very, very few guys get close to him technically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know he's a little bit slower than guys like Benoit and Guerrero, uh, who were also technically sound. Um, so he had a little bit of a slower style, but it was super effective and he really made you believe in what he was doing. And that's why I have him at number four. Fantastic. Even though you just looked at my list. I just wanted to see if we had any other um, coinciding ones. My number four... Honestly, my top four was the hardest thing for me to decide because I moved that these four guys around about ten times. I can't tell you how many times I moved my top four around. Um, my number four is Chris Jericho. That um, actually shocks me. Really? I didn't... Th- we all, besides Perry, like we all, Perry is like on another level, but we all respect Jericho. Yeah. I think he's easily one of the greatest things in wrestling history. I didn't think that he was that high up on your list. Honestly, if we did a personal list, he he'd, wouldn't be, he'd be my two. Really? He'll, honestly, it'd be, it'd be between him and Flair for one. Wow. I, I absolutely love Jericho. I, I'm not saying I don't. I, I mean, I, I've read, I haven't read the third book. I've read the first two books and that's when it really started for me. And I got a, a real appreciation for his career. But even going back and just like remember watching his stuff on WCW Monday Nitro every week. Because at the time I watched both shows. Uh, I know you really didn't. But like watching his stuff then, like watching it live when it happened. I remember even though he was a heel. And I mean I liked some of the heels as kids. But he was one of the annoying heels that I didn't like. But when he started doing like the over the top things. I'm like okay this is kind of funny. The man of a thousand and four holds reading the list. Like, I didn't realize, like, at the time, like, now he's come out and said a lot of what's happened in that, that time period with him in WCW was him doing his own thing because nobody was paying attention to what he was doing. And now going back and watching it, you can see he was literally doing whatever he damn well pleased. He pissed Goldberg off, and that's how they actually wound up having a match. Yeah. He wanted to do it on pay per view, they told him no. You know, he got himself into situations in WCW where he can make a name for himself. And then he had one of the best debuts in Raw history. Best debut ever. Um, Hands down, the best debut ever. Yeah, I would actually have to say that too, yeah. Um, You know. I watch it sometimes. I'll put it on YouTube just to watch it over and over again. I have done it a few times myself. With Um, or without pants, Perry? Sometimes if I'm feeling feisty or if I had a little (laughs) bit to drink, sometimes without pants. (laughs) Um, you, you know, with Jericho, he that showed right there that he's amazing on the mic. I mean, even some of his early WCW stuff, even though he didn't get time in the mic too much, he was able to talk in the mic. He was a great cruiserweight, and then he comes over to WWE, and he becomes a great heavyweight. He, he, you know, he did his trial by fire with The Rock. He, he got buried for a little bit, but the matches he had with Chris Benoit, with Kurt Angle... Um, were were phenomenal. Um, the mic work that he did with Stephanie and Rhino, amazing. Um, the Planet of the Apes segment is still one of my favorite segments. Mm. It's one of the more overlooked segments, but it's just it's just hysterical. I like crappy humor. It's funny. It's, it, it, he nobody does it better than him though. Exactly. Oh, yeah. um, the elongated pronunciations of words, um, the change of characters. He will 
change his character and make it one of the best characters he that anybody does at that time. He went from, you know, the Ayatollah rock and roller to the suits mm-hmm. to the, you know, the big words and another guy like Taker, he still kayfabes. He yeah. doesn't heels don't have merchandise. He has no merchandise. Um, he c- makes fun of people on Twitter when he's a heel. He has fun with them when he's a face. Um, he's willing to put younger guys over now. He knows he doesn't need to be in the spotlight. He's not stuck in the past. He still has phenomenal matches, even though he's f- probably 45 40, like years old. He's been He's been in the business for 20 years. He just came last year, last September, he came up on 20 years in the business. Mm. Um, you know, he did the tag team thing with Lance Storm as the Thrill Seekers back in the day. He did the Un-Americans with Lance Storm and Christian, which was still pretty good work for the time period that they were in when they were in that lull in the uh, early 2000s. After the invasion, right around Ruthless Aggression, they were one of the better, him and Christian, one of the better tag teams on Raw. You know, you had all these tag teams stacked on SmackDown. You had nobody in Raw, and then you had the Dudleys and Christian and Chris Jericho going at it. And you know what? The Dudleys weren't that great, but, you know, they stole their gym gear, um, their oh, gym the gear theater, and the ass cream and yeah. all that stuff. So, you know, he's always great at comedic relief. Um, Whether he's heel or face. Heel or face. Yeah. Um, th- and then some of the feuds he's had. Uh, yeah. Multiple feuds with Shawn Michaels. One of my favorite WrestleMania matches of all time, WrestleMania 19. Mm-hmm. Yes. Michael, Michaels Thank and you. Jericho. One <laughs> I was my... just about to say that the Jericho-Michaels feud, probably one of my favorite feuds of all time. And that's yeah. more of recent years, so I mean, that's a lot coming from me. Yeah. And even, I'd say, I think the one that they did in 2008 might have been a little bit better than the one they did around WrestleMania 19. You know, with Michael's wife and the TV. Just the more and personal. And the impromptu... Uh, ladder match for the title because whoever it was got hurt or whatever. I forgot, Punk or something like that. Or Hardy, I don't remember who it was, got hurt and they need to put the belt on somebody new. And they go, okay guys, you're going to move to the main event in a ladder match for the world title now. And they put it on Jericho and, you know, he didn't need it, but he took it and ran with it. Yeah. All right, um, so my number four, thankfully, is different from Brian's <laughs> for a change. Uh, the Heartbreak Kid, The Showstopper, Mr. WrestleMania. Nicknames are endless, when you t- and so is Shawn Michaels' legacy. Shawn was the guy that set the bar for everyone else to come. You know you have made it big when the Nature Boy himself requests you at WrestleMania Retire Match uh, to basically end his career. Sean did what nobody did before him. He was high-flying, technically sound, well-rounded on the mic, could play a top heel, and at the drop of a hat turn face, and nobody would even blink an eye. Um, Men wanted to be Shawn Michaels, and women wanted to be on top of him. Uh, There will never be a superstar with the charisma, talent, and all-around balanced value as Shawn Michaels. Easily. I mean, this, again, like you said, top four was so tough to juggle these guys around i think i had each of my top four guys in a different spot before i landed on where they are you yeah i'm with you i, I juggled guys. them around i i have scribbles uh in multiple different places in my top five because mm. i just i really had to narrow it down i had to really think about it and i sat and i thought and i'm with you like it was the top five were really hard so this is where it becomes really sh- i know 
this becomes where it, where it becomes really shocking and interesting. Our top three. The Shockmaster. <laughs> the Shockmaster. Oh, that's so funny because I have Shockmaster as number three. No, you don't. <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. <laughs> if it's Virgil or Shockmaster, I'm just ending this call. <laughs> no, although I almost put Virgil in there uh, just for my mom's uh, shout out, but oh, um, I didn't. <laughs> if you don't know, my mom was like absolutely like in love with Virgil. Virgil was her favorite wrestler. I have no idea why. I don't think she knows why. I think she just picked him and went with it. Um, it might have been the striped shorts. I'm not sure. Um, my number three is uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. Nice. Um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, when he was a heel and he was the Macho King, he was my absolute favorite. Uh, my brother was a Hogan guy. I was a Savage guy. Um, you know, we had our respective wrestling buddies. Um, mm-hmm. I had a buried alive match with my Savage one, <laughs> who's probably still in my Corm, New York backyard, buried in the backyard. Um, Savage, oh, gosh, there's so much to be said about Randy Savage, and, and you guys have said a lot of it already, so I really don't need to go into it fully. Um, but he stood out from everybody, um, yeah. and that's why I loved him. I know they gave him that go at WrestleMania 4, which was also shadowed by Hulk Hogan. It, for some yeah. reason, they just couldn't not have Hulk Hogan in that picture, which bothered me. It still bothers me to this day that Hogan had to, had to have a part of that. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, me being a young gay kid, not knowing what gay was when I was in kindergarten, um, I constantly played as Randy Savage and wrestled my friend Lauren's brother when I was in like set first or, you know, like first grade, uh, in their backyard. And I made her be Miss Elizabeth because I just always loved that, that love story between, uh, Randy and Liz. And I, you guys know I have their wedding invitation on my downstairs wall with, you know, framed in a big glass thing with, uh, you know, the, the 91 SummerSlam program in it. I'm just a huge Savage fan. I've been since I was a little kid and that never went away. It never went away. Uh, he died a week before my first wedding. Um, and all the signatures in our book said, you know, uh, sorry to hear about Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> And because everybody knows, I just love Savage. Um, I, he speaks for himself. You guys spoke for him. You, you know where I'm coming from with him. Uh, he he was hard to not put in like my top two, but I, I stuck him at number three because he deserves to be there. Uh, actually, to touch upon what you were saying, uh, as a massive Macho Man fan, the coolest thing in the world was to pretend to be Macho Man Randy Savage at my own wedding. Um, nothing felt cooler, and nothing felt nothing made that night even like so much more exciting than to just be macho man and have my wife be elizabeth essentially for just that one moment so that was a lot of fun i lived i lived for their moments together i really did as a kid wrestlemania 7 is probably my second favorite wrestlemania Mm. um and and it's because it's based on that face turn with savage who who was the macho king before that with sherry and i absolutely loved the macho king yeah. Um, but when he had that, like, he was reunited with Liz, and they just, like, showed their love for each other. I just, I lived for, for Randy and Liz. Don't I also did. forget the person with the uh, the raincoat and the rain hat. 
Oh my God. That person, every, every year it comes up on my, on my time hop or, or like my Facebook memories. And I just laugh every time. I want to know who that person is. I want to know if it's a male or female. If anybody knows who that person is, please let us know and put us in contact with them so we can have them on the show. I would love to have them on the show. The person at WrestleMania seven with the glasses that looked like Pat from Saturday Night Live. (laughs) (laughs) I need, I need to know who that person is. Um, oh they were God. wearing full rain garb <laughs> and they were crying and they pan in on them. What, you know, I, I need to, we'll put it up on our Facebook and I need to know who this person is. So if anybody has any idea or has any inside, um, check out our Facebook, uh, tomorrow and we'll have a picture of that, uh, unfortunate human on, <laughs> this is somebody you want on the show. <laughs> I want to have that person on the show. This I want to know. I human. want to know. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Brian, please take over before this gets derailed. <laughs> oh, God. Um, number three. Okay. Um, <laughs> Pat from Saturday. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Come on. You know it. It looked like it's Pat. <laughs> Stop. Okay. You thought Mike, I was Mike is almost in tears right now. Was androgynous. Oh, I had no. I still have no idea. And it's it's how many years later? No fucking clue. Uh, okay, uh, my number three, um, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, he was he did he was one of the guys that did more to change the business than ever. Just bought with one promo. Mm. Um, still one of the one of the. Greatest promos of all time, um, the Austin three sixteen promo. Um, I believe that one was off the cuff too for him. It yeah. was something that they said, "Here, you're getting uh, thirty seconds or a minute of mic time because you're gonna win this thing." And not to mention, the only reason he won that is because the click moment, um, because Triple H was slated to win that and he didn't. They go here. Here's your mic time. This is what you, you know. Go with it. And he came up with one of the greatest promos of all time. And that's when you finally saw what he did in WCW. And he was able to be himself. Because not only did he have... He was the guy in WWE for... Again, it wasn't the longest career. But nobody had more merch sales than him. Um, I think of all time. That's not that's including Hulk Hogan. He's the record holder in 1998 for selling over 12 million shirts in one year, and half of their annual revenue came from Stone Cold merchandise in 1998. Exactly. No, nobody else has it's done that. Fucking insane. He he was you know, even though in WWE he was a brawler, he still has had some great matches. Um, him and The Rock, him and Taker, um. Him and Kane weren't that bad that often. Some of the stuff he did with Mick Foley um, was great just because it was funny. Him and Dude Love winning the tag titles. Um, and then even going back further to his career in WCW. You know, he was a solid mid-card guy and he was part of the Dangerous Alliance. U.S. champion. Phenomenal matches with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Yep. Um... And that's when you saw he could work with anybody. And, you know, another another one of the greatest transitions of all time of gimmicks. You know, you went from this technically sound, Hollywood blonde, built, good-looking dude into the rough, tough, son of a, son of a bitch, redneck 
beer swelling the redneck, and he became the everyman. Yeah. Like, everybody could relate to him in one way or the other. Everybody hated their boss. He was the pinnacle for it. He did things to his boss that everybody wished they could do. And I don't care who you are, because everybody has those thoughts at some point or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may not be a current boss, it could be a past boss, or it could be a future boss. But he did things that everybody wants to do, but they really can't, or they shouldn't. I'm not condoning this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... You know, he, I think the the neck injury and the knee injuries cut his career short. I think he could have had another year or two on top. I think he was if he was a little healthier, um, he could have had a, a a more sustained run. I think he could have carried them through that 2003 year instead of as a general manager with Eric Bischoff. Even though those him and Bischoff were great together, they were great foils for each other. I think he could have been a great in-ring competitor for a couple more years. Yeah. And, um, then, and then one of my favorite one of my favorite views with him was with Owen Hart. Him and yes. and then also with Brett. Uh, just the Hart family period. Yes. The Hart mm-hmm. the Hart Foundation, we'll say. Yeah. Because he he clicked with every single one of those guys. Yeah, well I mean one of them was his best friend. <laughs> Brian Pillman. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's still I mean to this day you know, I think he still wears the chain that Brian Pillman gave him when they were yeah. in the Hollywood Blondes. And that was one of the, when I remember watching that segment with him and Pillman as kids when he invaded Pillman's home. Oh, that was insane! Like, I what what was your year? Was that like ninety six? Early ninety five, ninety six. So I was seven years old at the time. I didn't know any better. So like, you know, watching it, I'm like, I'm thinking this is real. And Brian Pillman's actually pulling a gun out on Austin. I'm like. Don't shoot him. I kind of like the guy. <laughs> like, up until that point, he'd been basically been a heel, but then this was when that the anti-hero was becoming big. Yeah. And that natural, that just natural turn happened with Brett turning heel and Austin turning face. And then I started hating Brett because of the all the anti-American things and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm like, don't, don't kill him. <laughs> Please don't kill him. All right. You ready for this? Number three, the man that single-handedly ran the Attitude Era, the man that kept WWE afloat and breathed fresh life back into them when WCW was destroying them in the Monday Night War ratings, Stone Cold made it cool to hate your boss, kick his ass, curse, drink beer, and be everything WWE originally told you was bad. He was the first to tip the scales and break the barrier between face and heel, kayfabe and reality. You never had that tweener before, and you never had that whole, is this real, is this fake kind of question, like, before Stone Cold. Uh, All the questions were asked when Stone Cold was at the top of his game, and there are a ton of people that don't like Hogan, don't like Michaels, don't like Cena. Find somebody for me that doesn't love something about Stone Cold Steve Austin. He did it all from being a blonde to a million-dollar champion and to being one of the most decorated champions of all time. Record holder for a three-time Royal Rumble winner. We already talked about the merch sales. Stone Cold is easily going to go down as one of the most memorable WWE superstars of all time. Without question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, this is it. The, the two people that we feel are rightfully deserving. Perry, who do you got for number two? All right, so, well, you're going to be shocked with my top two because none of them are Stone Cold. Really? Wait, wow. Stone Cold didn't even make the list? Stone Cold did not make my personal list. Mm-hmm. Uh, did he make... Would he have made the list of all-time uh, outside of my personal? Absolutely, because he changed the business 100%. Um, you know, I think he had a little bit of a, um, 
an advantage with merch sales because when guys like Hogan and Savage and, and those guys were around, merch sales weren't really a big thing. And there weren't definitely weren't a lot of people um, as into wrestling as there were during the Attitude Era. But I think Stone Cold brought a lot of that on. So I definitely do agree with you guys on, on your list. Uh, but on my list, my number two, which may shock you, is Chris Jericho. Uh, I think I know we, who number one is then. You're going to know who number one is. We've <coughs> talked about it before. Chris Jericho. Um, I love everything about Chris Jericho. Um, I loved him, you know, as Brian was saying, the man of a thousand one holds. <laughs> um, I thought he was ridiculous and funny and, and witty. And he always had a comeback for people. Um, but he did his thing in the ring too, man. Like he was very captivating. You watched him and you couldn't stop watching him. Um, and that is the great thing about Chris Jericho. And then when you start to kind of know the guy, Chris Jericho, when you start reading his books and kind of seeing that he's actually pretty naturally funny, but he's a human being and he cares about his family and, uh, like all around, he's just a good person. Um, he, that's why I put him at, at number two, um, his matches were unbelievable and he's had such a long storied career. Um, not too many people are above Jericho. Actually, there's only one man above Jericho in my eyes. Um, and I, you know, I kind of flaunt the Jericho name around. I, I use it for, you know, my gamer tags and, you know, everything that I can when I'm creating superstars in my, Hmm. in my 2k games, I'm, you know, it's always Perry Jericho and, you know, it's always a very similar outfit to Chris Jericho. I just love everything, everything about Chris Jericho. Um, you know, his, like Brian said, his debut was the biggest pop I've ever heard from people in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and he constantly got that as he came back. And, you know, the more he comes back, you know, it's obviously not as, as impactful as the first time. Um, but I can remember him coming back. I think it was 2012 Rumble when, when Dolph Ziggler was number one and he came in at number two. I lost my shit. Yeah, you did. I lost, you were there, I, I lost there. my shit <laughs> um, Just love Jericho He's a great storyteller um, And I think he's a great man Cool I think that's you, Brian uh, My number two um, Shawn Michaels uh, He was For a long period of time I think like the definition of excellence Were um, I mean, I was a huge Michaels fan I like the flashy, um, one of my fa- one of my favorite or my favorite WrestleMania is WrestleMania ten. That's the first one I really remember watching, because um, growing up, like my parent my parents weren't well off or anything like that, so we rarely got pay per views if we got them at all. Most of the time we didn't. Um, but at the time, my grandma had uh, pay per view. So what she did for us that year was she recorded WrestleMania for us, and she gave us a VHS tape of it. I remember those days. Yeah. So that's the first, like, WrestleMania and the first pay-per-view I remember watching, and I remember watching it with my dad and my brother. We're sitting in our living room, and we're watching it, and, you know, I'm watching Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon in the ladder match, um, one of my favorite matches of all time, um, just because it's from that that pay-per-view um, but like, you know, that's when I first really started watching and taking in Shawn Michaels and then the feud he had with Bret Hart, the Iron Man match, another one of my favorite matches of all time, you know, that was spectacular, well put together, well drawn out. And even though it was already an hour long, you know, you wanted to see more. 
and they gave us that with the overtime, and I think that was the perfect way to end it. Um, and then he, he really is Mr. WrestleMania. You know what? Taker had the streak, but Michaels had the streak of WrestleMania performances. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he did it with Taker. He did it with Razor. He did it with Brett. You know, he went out there. He did with Jericho. He tried to go out there every time, every WrestleMania, and be give that perfect performance. You know what? He may not. He may have achieved it in his last uh, second to last match with Taker. Um, I still think that one was better than their second match. But you know, he went out every single time, even though he didn't have to. Even when he was hurt against Austin, you know what? They had a very good match. You know, you could tell his back was hurting him, and it stopped him from doing a lot of things. And, you know, he was fighting his demons at the time. But it was still a great match. And, you know, he always did that with whoever he was fighting. When he was supposed to be fighting Dean Douglas, they had some back and forth that were pretty good. Um, the second ladder match with Razor, nowhere near as good as the first one, but it was no. still a solid match. It was still a good match. And then, you know, he took on all comers as a champion. Uh, you know, he fought... Mankind, Vader. they had a great match. Vader was the next guy I was going to say. They had a great match, and even though Vader outweighed him by, what, like probably 300 pounds? Something like You know, they had great matches. He he did it with everybody, the big guys, the small guys, the medium guys. You know, I love the stuff that we, we – this is another thing that we always did at, at work. You know, oh. Diesel and Michaels, you know, I love that. That was one of my favorite tag teams during that time period. Because it was two dudes with attitudes. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so cool. Like, um, I, I remember just watching, like, oh, they're fighting Owen and Yoko for all the titles. <laughs> like, it, it was cheesy, but you know what? I absolutely love that. And, you know, just the, the career that he's had, the IC title, uh, kind of, I think the, the tag titles were cheesy for the most part. One was Cena. The one with Triple H was, was okay, which I thought was pretty cool because DX, one thing they never did together was win the tag mm-hmm. titles. And they had they had good matches with Jericho. They had great matches with Legacy. Um, so he like he did it with, like, he had great matches as, as the Rockers. He had mm. great matches as the flamboyant Shawn Michaels. Then he produced into the main event player, and he had great matches yet again. Like, every, that's the one concept with Shawn Michaels is no matter what he did, no matter who he worked with, he had great matches. He excelled. He excelled, and he, you know what? He <clears throat> held himself, even though a lot of times when he was fighting his demons in the late 90s, a lot of his work became a little shoddy, but like even though it was still better than 90% of the roster. Yeah, true. All right. Uh, number two is going to shock and surprise you both, probably, unless... No, Brian already looked, so he knows. Because you just looked at mine. That's true. Um, so... I'm going to make this short and sweet. Number two can be summed up in one simple word, and that is woo. <laughs> the styling, profiling, limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, son of a gun, Ric Flair. Um, it's that simple. This guy has done it all. As uh, a 16-time world champion, has wrestled everywhere from Japan to the low-level TNA, um, and has made them all great. Um, he's, uh, the leader of Space Mountain. He's, it's the oldest ride, but it's the longest line, people. And, uh, all I'm gonna say is there's nobody that 
like just makes me so happy to watch day in and day out than Ric Flair. Perry said it. Um, I'm sure we'll get to more Ric Flair on this show, but I don't want to keep boring people with just, you know, running down things, but Ric Flair is incredible all around the living, breathing embodiment of professional wrestling, and he will go down in history as such. So you're probably asking yourselves, well, who the hell could Mike's number one be? It's The Rock. It's The Rock. He did it for The Rock. I did it for The Rock. But Perry, let's find out who your number one is first. Probably not a surprise to you um, at all. Uh, I went to Shawn Michaels. He's on everybody's list, uh, whether it was number one or, or number two or number five or wherever he landed. He was on everybody's list. Um, Shawn Michaels is my number one pick um, just because, uh, like some of the other guys on this list, I followed his entire career. I followed him from a rocker uh, to when he threw Marty Jannetty through the glass window at the barbershop, which was devastating as a child. Devastating. (laughs) Um, So we got through that, and then, you know, they, they, they put him with Sherry. And I, I think they kind of put him with Sherry because they didn't know how he would do on his own outside of the Rockers because the Rockers were so over with everybody. Everybody loved the Rockers. Um, so they stuck him with Sherry. And, and you know, Sherry's no- notorious for, you know, making people better. Uh, you know, people that they didn't think would go as far as they did, they, they put with Sherry because she was a really great person to be with um, from you know, just by the people that she's been with and, and where they wound up going in their careers. Um, and I mean, from day one, this guy put on a show, you guys said it, you know, his, his endless feuds that you, you bought into and you just rooted for him and WrestleMania 12, when he finally won the championship, you know, it was like, he, you were like living that dream with him while those, those vignettes with the boyhood dream, uh, you know, when he had to step away for a while with some injuries, um, you lived everything with him and you felt everything with him. And, um, you know, part of that is obviously I know WWE does a really great job with, you know, the things that they do behind the scenes. Um, but I think Michaels was sec- like second to none. Like he, there's nobody better than him in this business for, from start to finish. He put on a show, he put on a great show. Nobody ever did it better than him. Uh, he did things before people were doing certain things. And then he, you know, kind of like the savage, uh, he was, he didn't fit that mold as a champion. Not, not at all, not from their standards. Um, but he took it and he ran and he became one of the best champions of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, all the way out until his, you know, his career ended, which when it did, it was time. He knew it was time. Everybody knew it was time, you know, and he left gracefully uh, he didn't try to get back into it and, and failed or, or anything like that. He left on the highest note that you can leave on. Um, I was obsessed with him when I was a kid. I was obsessed with him. I had a framed picture of him. I sat near a window in fifth grade just so I could put his picture up on the windowsill <laughs> in fifth grade next to my desk. I was obsessed with Shawn Michaels. Um, and that was right before... He won the championship um, in sixth grade. I wrote a whole report on Shawn Michaels and him on the cover. And it was like a cut and paste job, you know, before the internet and all that good stuff. I cut my WWF magazines up, you know, it was hard to do, but I did it. Uh, man, I, Shawn Michaels takes me back, man. Shawn Michaels, 
like I said, start to finish, there's nobody better than this guy. Uh, and it probably is, you know, I can't say that, Rick, you know, Ric Flair is not right up there with him. It, you know, Ric Flair is probably the best professional wrestler and had the longest living career of all time. Um, and, you know, he brought in things that, you know, guys weren't doing promos that you weren't seeing. Um, but Shawn Michaels was just a totally different beast, man. He did it when people didn't think he could. Uh, he overcame so many obstacles in his career, uh, so many demons in his career, uh, and he shined through. And this guy is like, I can't say enough about Shawn Michaels. He's my number one, always. Fantastic. Brian? Um, my number one, I think you guys probably already know, uh, Ric Flair. Um, he would be, again, like I said, if I were doing personal, he'd still be probably at the top of this list along with Chris Jericho. Um, one of my favorite guys of all time, uh, but one of the greatest technicians in the ring. Um, but he could do it all as well. Like, he, he could be a technician, he could brawl, um... You know, he did the comedic relief. He did the serious stuff. You know, best promo guy in the business. Yeah. Um, the only other guys really up there with him are probably Dusty um, and Jericho, I would say, up there is too. But that's a whole other conversation. Um, you know, he was business in the ring, business on the mic, and even sometimes he'd be, you know, Comedic in the ring and comedic in the ring. Business in the sheets or something. (laughs) Well, Ric Flair, yes, he would be. You know, he would be. Yeah. And then he would be the party in the party. Yeah. Um, You know, the Horseman. uh, Again, the whole episode. My, in my opinion, greatest stable of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, Leader of that. You know, jump to WWE successfully. Jump back to WWE successfully. Um. Great run in WCW, even though Bischoff tried burying him off and getting him out of WCW, almost quit a second time. But he sustained it, um, reformed the Horsemen again, you know, had spectacular matches, even though a lot of them were gimmicky. One of his better feuds, I think, outside of you, everybody always thinks about Steamboat, uh, Savage, Dusty, uh, Terry Funk. Uh, everybody thinks of those, those, but I think one of my one of my favorite uh, Ric Flair feuds was in the mid mid nineties when him and Arn Anderson were feuding. Mm. They they split up for a while. They had this feud going, and then Ric Flair tried getting Brian Pillman on his side because it was after the Hollywood Blondes broke up, and then Pillman joined Anderson. I mean, they ultimately didn't go too far with it, but. You know, they had some really great matches. Yeah. Um, but it show, that shows you the type of worker that Ric Flair is that he can do it with anybody. Um, and then just obviously the accomplishments as far as titles go. You know, world champion, WWE champion, IC champion, US champion, uh, tag team champion in WWE. I don't believe he ever won it in WCW, but at the at his point in career and time in the company, he never needed to. Yeah. Um, two-time he, Hall of Famer, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Only only, two-time, only two-time Hall of Famer. You know. Unt- until Shawn Michaels beats him out with three. Yeah. Oh yeah! If they put DX? if they do if they do DX and if they do the Rockers, he'll be three-time. I don't think they would do the Rockers. Uh, you yeah. never know. That's true. 
Uh, that's pretty much all I got. All right. So, can, real quick, just to touch on Brian's um, number one, mm. can we just talk about real quick how Arn Anderson is probably the most underrated wrestler of all time? Yeah, without a doubt. Because he, you know, he didn't hold that like same, I, I think, physique that you saw in other guys. I think a lot of people kind of downplayed Arn Anderson as a wrestler, uh, but he was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So. He was the Kevin Owens of the 1980s. I wouldn't even absolutely. say that because Kevin took the ti- has a title now, though. But if well, Arn Anderson was around now, because of the way that they view their talent, yeah. Arn Anderson would be over in a heartbeat. He would be. He in he, a heartbeat. He, 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 his nickname is one of the truest in the profession, the mm. Enforcer. Steve, yeah. He always was and always will be the Enforcer. Um, one of the most re- well-respected minds in the business, too. My part of, well, actually, they are. he was part of my all-time favorite tag team, the Brain Busters. Yes. There's no tag team out there that could do what the Brain Busters did, and I just hate that how short-lived the Brain Busters were. What do you mean? I thought, uh, what about Strike Force? I do love Strike Force. All right, so before I say my number one, I need everybody to understand that it comes from respect. It comes from understanding and appreciating everything there is to appreciate about wrestling. It's not to get a cheap rise out of the two of you. It's not to get a cheap rise out of any of the fans or anything like that. It is a God's honest truth where I feel he belongs here. I want to say something, but it's going to give it away, so I won't say it. And I truly, as we've been talking about like our personal top tens, he might not be number one, but he would be in a top ten of my personal top tens, to be honest with you. And I truly mean that. Uh, no, I honestly, when I saw it, when I peeked at your list, <laughs> I honestly, I considered him for a little bit. I left him off the long list, just mainly I forgot. But I, I can understand where you're going with this. I feel I like I might know it. Okay. So, let me see if I can do this properly. Hold on. Uh, no, no. All right. So there's one person that is rightfully deserving of the number one spot after everything he's accomplished. Uh, in a time where everything else was failing, he was the number one guy. The, there's haters and there's lovers for this person, but at the end of the day, there is only one of these persons. And his name is John Cena! Yes, and his name is John Cena. Um... The fact remains, and it is as crystal clear, you either love him or hate him. There's no in-between. You love to boom or you love to cheer him. You don't love to just sit in the background and leave him alone. Cena came into WWE in a time where they were losing all of their top talent. Every single one of their top stars was on their way out. And there was this weird, brash, white rapper that told you the way it was. And WWE believed in him and... They couldn't have been more correct. Cena took the company and carried it for over 10 years. Nobody else has ever done that for as long as Cena's done that. He's a 15-time world champion. As of no mercy, he's going to be the record holder for the most pay-per-view main events. He's an ambassador for the company. He's done the most make-a-wish grants in the company history. He broke Stone Cold's merchandise record, um, which most people don't know. John Cena might not be loved by a lot of people, but he is the most deserving person for a number one spot. Um, And to be honest with you, the only person I feel that can tell a better story in the ring than him is probably The Undertaker. But whether you want to see him get his ass kicked or you want to see him win, you always want to watch his match. Wait a minute. Go. So if he broke... 
Stone Cold's merchandise records, yeah, then that means I won the contest before. Why? Because Brian said Stone Cold Steve Austin, but it's really John Cena. The question I did say was, it was very specific towards Stone Cold. It was during the Attitude Era, he said. Bullshit, okay. Bullshit. And and you said Goldberg. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's it, people. That's our top tens. Um, Some a little bit more personal, some a little bit more professional i just want to touch on cena go because I, I was thinking about it and I, I did at one point think about including him on my top 10 um i could probably reshuffle my bottom three guys and probably get him on there i'd definitely say absolutely top 15 mm-hmm. but i i won't give you shit for that i will not no because i full heartedly agree with you um he he was there when at a time when they needed someone yeah he didn't leave he has that loyalty that you don't see in too many guys and that was one of the, two of the big things we had on both our lists, staying an Undertaker. Yeah. Um, who name? Who else has been that loyal? Nobody. Or Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. He never went to WCW. Yes. So three guys right there, and Cena's the fourth. Yeah. You you. It's hard to name another guy because Foley left, Austin left, The Rock left. Um, Triple H would probably be the only other one, but that's because he's banging the boss's daughter. That's true. That's it. He really. He I didn't leave. say that, Stephanie. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you said that she's banging her brother. Yes. Okay, I didn't say that either. That's alleged. <laughs> All right, guys, this show's going to get Wait, wrapped. What? We got to go through the top ten of Sports Illustrated real quick. No, we don't. It's not that I'll, necessary. I'm going to run through it real it's, quick. Oh, we God. touched on a lot of them. Ten go. is Andre the Giant. Nine was Sting. Eight was Hogan. Seven was Cena. Six was Dusty Rhodes. Five was The Undertaker, very close to you guys. Uh, four was The Rock, three was Stone Cold, two was Shawn Michaels, and number one was Ric Flair. I think it's it, a very it, accurate it's a, list. it's a nice list, but I feel like more of them went based off of public... Figureheads? Public uh, perception. But notice who's not on that list. Jericho. Hogan. Hogan was on the list. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. He was like eight. Perry, was Hogan on the list? Perry? He was number eight. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was wrong. Okay. Um, so, yes. Top ten episode. Uh, next week, we're going to do our review of Clash of the Champions pay-per-view, as well as deciding a winner of the monthly brand pay-per-view battle. Um, uh, our topic discussion of the week next week is going to be cruiserweights. Um, with the revival of the cruiserweight division, we're going to go over our favorite and least favorite cruiserweights and cruiserweight moments in history. Also next week, we're going to be picking a winner for the Robert Bruno art giveaway. I know we talked about this before, but we're definitely doing it this time. Here's what you have to do to win the Hulkamania uh, piece of artwork from Robert Bruno. All you have to do is go on Facebook, go on Twitter, and share this episode. That's it. That's all you have to do. We're going to pick a winner at random. Contact that person so that they're going to join us next week during the recording of that week's episode. And join us in a discussion. But you will also win the Robert Bruno artwork. Don't forget to check out Robert Bruno's artwork on his website, brunodi.com. And follow him on Twitter and Instagram as well. It's brunodigill. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the god that runs the pod, along with... Fine, Brian. And god, the fan, and your wife's favorite, Perry Jericho. (laughs) It's so good, I love it. Guys, it's too bad... That way, too, too good. good.